What's up, guys? We got a packed Friday show for you. People's Holiday is back. Before we get going today, though, I wanted to remind you the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. I'm not even going to go with the Who is Skybox Sports Picks normal intro that I do. Skybox went up 30 units at the Masters yesterday. They had Justin Rose as the first-round leader at plus 4,500. So I hope all of you listeners hopped on that. And if you didn't, what are you doing? So go check out my guys at Skybox Sports Picks. For those of you who haven't listened to this podcast or have been living under a rock, Skybox is the world's best gambling handicapping website. They're the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval. They are, it is an advanced modeling mechanism that has been refined and tested through years of wisdom and experience that has propelled Skybox Sports Picks to the top of the handicapping industry. What more do I need to say? You need to go check these guys out. 30 units in a day. That's if you put down 100 bucks, you made a cool three grand, if I'm not mistaken. That's a plus 4,500 they hit at Justin Rose on. Uh, I don't know how you can beat that. But last year, that's not a fluke either. Last year, they hit Cameron Smith as the top Aussie uh, to finish in the tournament. They hit John Rahm at plus 3,500 to be the second-round leader, and they went 5-2 and two on head-to-head matchups. I, I don't know what you're doing not getting in on that deal. Go check them out. It's not just golf, obviously. They crushed it in March Madness. They're killing it on NASCAR. Again, like I mentioned, I better get that guy on to explain NASCAR betting to me like I'm four, and I think that would be kind of interesting. But you need to go check these guys out. It's skyboxsportspicks.com. You could do a daily pass. If you're just listening today and you caught this podcast, you thought, hmm, I kind of want to make some cash, see what these guys are all about, go buy a Friday or Saturday daily pass. I would go and recommend signing up for the whole year, but they're going to have a price range that fits your needs. So you can go for a week. A month, you can try a certain sports season. Any sort of package you want that kind of fits your interests, you can definitely try it out. They'll have it. Go check them out at skyboxsportspicks.com. Congrats to them on their day yesterday and uh, proud to be a partner with them. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Y'all know the drill. LB's Greg's back. I honestly just forgot to text him about Grill Corner. If he's listening to this right now, sorry, Greg. That was literally just me being lazy. We'll bring that back next week, but we do have an hour and a half long mailbag Friday show with Colin and I doing a uh, Arkansas preview. But anyway, check him out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. If you subscribe to my newsletter now, which is rippywrites at substack.com, all you literally have to do is type in your email. It's free. You get a daily newsletter and you get special LB's deals. Right now, if you're a subscriber and you go to LB's, you get a $10 16-ounce prime strip and a free pack of spicy ribeye sausage. Not sure how you can beat that headed to Swayze this weekend. Uh, you would be the most popular guy out in left field. So subscribe to the newsletter and go check out my friend Greg at LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. They got all kinds of sausages. He's bringing back the plate lunches. It's the best place in Mississippi to get meat. You know the drill by now. I'm not kidding you. It's absolutely the best place in Mississippi for all of your growing needs. Go see my guy Greg. He'll hook you up. We've got a packed show today as we always do. It's Mailbag Friday. It is the people's holiday. I hope you're celebrating accordingly. Unless you're driving, then I put your seatbelt on and wait to celebrate afterwards. But we've got a packed show. Your Arkansas questions, uh, or Arkansas preview, I should say. Some Arkansas questions, some master stuff. And one more thing before we get going on the podcast. You'll listen to Colin and I talk about Arkansas's rotation. And right after we got done recording, because of course this happened, uh, Arkansas actually changed up its rotation. So they're still going with Patrick Wicklander on Friday night, which they've done pretty much since the second weekend of SEC play. But Zebulon Vermillion, their normal Saturday guy, has actually been yanked uh, from the rotation 
in favor of uh, the kid, the Lockhart kid. I'm not. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know a ton about him. I wouldn't BS you guys and uh, and give you some information. I don't know. But they're going. No, excuse me. Peyton Powlett is the Saturday guy. So they're going two lefties with the righty sandwich in the middle. So you've got Wicklander, Peyton Powlett, and then Lockhart on Sunday. So it was Powlett that I was talking about. I just misspoke again. But anyway, I just wanted to put that note out there before we got going. It doesn't change much of the podcast, but to be honest, I was not calling Colin back to re-record at 9 o'clock on a uh, Thursday night just because Arkansas switched their middle guy out. So when you, when you hear us talk about Zebulon Vermillion, I don't think it changes much. The two lefties is an interesting matchup um, for Arkansas and Ole Miss. But again, with the way Ole Miss has hit left-handers, I don't think it matters. But I just wanted to put it out there for clarity's sake because I always want to give you guys the best information possible. So Arkansas made a tweak after we recorded this. Again, I think it affects a little about the conversation, but they're going with the bullpen kid, one of the few that they had, rather than Zebulon Vermillion. I would say it's a pretty even trade-off in terms of the starter bullpen factor, just looking at his surface numbers. But anyway, that little note uh, out of the way uh, is all I wanted to go. We got a pack show. Let's roll. Rippy writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Happy Friday. I am Brian Scott Rippy. You are listening to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. It is Mailbag Friday. The people's holiday is back. We've got your questions. We'll get into some old Miss baseball. Obviously, your typical Arkansas series preview, as he is every Friday. Except for last Friday, on the other end of the line, Colin Brister. What's up, man? Not much. Not much. Just got in from a baseball practice and, and, and sat down to do the podcast. It's uh, it's officially – well, by the time this, I guess, is out, it will be Arkansas Series weekend. So, kind of excited. For whatever reason, uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas hate each other. And I kind of, you know, have festered that hate too. So, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this weekend. I got – a question from someone it wasn't a mailbag question it's actually a a hit i'm doing with the arkansas radio station actually right after we record this that he wanted to talk about the budding rivalry between the two and i was like oh this is just typical cheese ball radio like angle but it, it really kind of has some merit to it and nah, uh, screw I arkansas. Can, yeah i guess we can just start right there in in that sense where like whatever rivalry aside like i'm not like i guess i'm not doing a uh a uh, pissing match over like who hates each other more, but the shift of, I think there's been a shift of power or shift of relevancy or whatever you want to call it uh, amongst the SEC West. Because if you think about the last half decade, so let's go to 2016, it's really been Ole Miss state, Arkansas, A&M, depending on what kind of team they have. And LSU is always in the mix. I guess what I'm trying to get at is, it always used to be like who can kind of get up there with LSU, and I would pose it this way: When's the last time an LSU team really scared you? Uh, seventeen. But yeah, that if you think about it in terms of that way, like they didn't scare you really in fifteen or sixteen. I know they were a national seed in sixteen, but yeah, I mean the the seventeen team with Greg Deitman. But no, that that's a really good point. There has been a power shift, especially if you you take it back to fourteen when Ole Miss makes the College World Series, and you're, you're talking about a program. Um, in Arkansas that played for the national title and, you know, a, a program in Mississippi State that has played for a national title and has 
you know, advanced in the college world series. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, there has been a power shift. I mean, you look at LSU this year, they're likely one of the worst teams in the West. And for whatever reason that has created rivalries. I mean, I'll tell you right now, Mississippi state does not like Arkansas either. And, and Arkansas has little use for them. And uh, you can tell, I mean, that, I mean, Frank, look, I'm an Ole Miss fan. I'm not going to sit, sit here and deny that. I, I have no use for Arkansas, frankly. I, I kind of hate Arkansas baseball. And it, it's weird, like, how that festers throughout sports because that doesn't apply in basketball or football. Like, I have no feelings towards Arkansas basketball or football. But, like, you start talking about their baseball teams or Vandy's baseball team, yeah, that, there, there's some hatred there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it was funny as I was trying to, I guess, articulate my point there, I was trying to figure out like maybe which year was best to cap it at. And I decided to do 16 and then LSU obviously went to the national title series in 17. <laughs> but like, you kind of get my point though. Even right. that year, I, I believe that Ole Miss team went down to Baton Rouge and nearly won two of three. Yeah, they, they won on Friday night, lost on Thursday, won on Friday, and then lost a one-run game on Saturday. Um, yeah, no, ex yeah, exactly. I remember that was the year the teams weren't very good, but you got Rollison and Eric Walker on Sunday, which was a real treat because at the time before Eric Walker's elbow issues, like this was kind of the two up-and-comers in the league. I believe yeah. that's what the matchup was, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. But, uh, yep. Yeah, I was just saying, I, bet, I, I guess that wasn't the greatest way to frame it given <laughs> LSU played for a national title four years ago. But you kind of get my point to where sure. it hasn't been LSU every year and then who else is in that upper echelon it's really kind of been Arkansas and then I guess it's not Arkansas every year, but it's kind of been like which three of these five teams is going to be the elite this year as opposed to LSU and then who else, I guess, is the best. Yeah. It. No, that's exactly right. I mean, you talk about uh, 18, you know, Ole Miss wins the SEC West um, and, you know, uh, and then, you know, 19, uh, I believe Mississippi State wins it, and then 17. Um, I think LSU won it that year, but you talk about 16, and Mississippi State wins it. Um, so, and then Arkansas is in there every year. Oh, Arkansas technically tied for Ole Miss uh, with Ole Miss in 19, I believe that's right. But Ole Miss won the series, so they won the SEC West. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's been a, certainly a power shift, and, and you know, especially this year when you talk about LSU being one and eight. And, uh, you know, not looking like they're going to be any part of the postseason picture. I mean, it's it's certainly up there, and yeah, the, the, these rivals are for, and I don't and I don't know if the rivalries have been caused because of a, a, a like power shift or whatever. It just for whatever reason, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I think a lot of it started, and this sounds weird. Arkansas fans got really pissed off on Twitter for whatever reason uh, after Ole Miss's celebration against Louisville. And for whatever reason, it's just taken off from there. Like, that that's where I remember the rivalry kind of starting, is they got really pissed off that uh, Peyton Chatney and Anthony Shervideo did a between-the-legs alley-oop thing, and it's just taken off from there. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I always kind of, you know, take it with a grain of salt in terms of, like, the temperature of a team's fan – or a school's fan base on the internet. But I will, I, will, I will offer this. Obviously, college football fans are much crazier. I would argue college baseball fans get mad over much dumber shit. <laughs> well, I mean, people are very angry that Ole Miss fans uh, jokingly tweet a meme at teams' Twitter accounts after they lose. So, you know. Oh, My favorite thing is Ole Miss fans will tweet it at their own Twitter accounts when they lose or their own baseball Twitter account when they lose, but they, they don't notice that. So didn't the Atlanta Braves technically start that with some Tiger Woods? Yes, with the Tiger Woods, yeah. I never understood the story behind that, but now you're seeing it everywhere. I mean, I clicked on a 
I clicked on a random college baseball score the other night. I know Ole Miss has a thing, and they've done it, particularly the, the dirty Mike and the boys thing. I'm not sure. saying, like, theirs isn't legitimate. But, like, it's gone more widespread than you think. I, I clicked on a random college baseball Twitter score the other night laying in bed. I, I'm making up the school, but I swear to God it was, like, Creighton or someone. And it was, like, a, a uniform meme of, like, the three Creighton fans or whatever school it was that was basically, like, <laughs> I was like how many schools are doing this now? whatever man like you know what i i'm you know it's it's kind of weird but it's kind of funny too like in in some ways like there's nothing wrong with you know being somewhat fun in college baseball the sport needs to grow and i think right now i'll say this i think college baseball right now is as popular as it's been in the past five years and and that's a good thing oh could not agree more and i I think i mentioned this on one of our first podcasts so forgive me if i'm repeating myself but one i think one of the best examples of that were the crowds at the games I were at in my backyard here in Austin, those Friday and Saturday, or I guess it was Saturday, Sunday games in particular, it felt like the world was normal again. And you got to remember that's COVID and a snowpocalypse that pushed the tournament back so so, bad a day and was so bad that honestly, I think most people were like, there's no way they're playing this and credit to the people for that tournament for actually kind of gauging a forecast, right. And being like, actually, if we get to Thursday, it'll probably be fine with a couple of days of sun. So let's push this back a day and wait it out. That's not really the point. But I remember sitting there in the stands with all those people in the stands. And I was like, these people basically weathered a snowstorm to travel here. It's still in the middle of this pandemic and you have all these people here. How many people do you think would have been in that place if we'd have lived in a normal world and no snow? It would have been, would have been sold out if they could have sold it out. Because I can tell you, there was a world of Ole Miss people that were heading that way. And I'm sure Mississippi State people, I don't have a ton of state people that I can talk to, but I do know a ton of Ole Miss people were headed that way. Uh, if snowpocalypse didn't help or if it didn't happen, and imagine what would be on top of that if COVID didn't exist. So, yeah, I think college baseball, I'm not going to say it's in a good place, but I think it is growing in popularity, and I contribute that to many things. I think uh, one of the reasons, frankly, is, is taking the mound tonight against Georgia and Kumar Rocker. I think he is extremely helpful with college baseball. When you talk about the no-hitter he threw against Duke two years ago and, and the popularity of that game, knowing that, you know, he's probably going to be the first, you know, maybe the first or second round or first or second overall pick. His dad's a football coach. You've kind of known about him for a while. He's the kind of the first kid. I can remember in college baseball that had some recruiting buzz around him. Um, and But I just kind of think there's been some subtle things that have helped draw the popularity of college baseball. A pitching Ninja has, has taken to – and, you know, he's extremely popular on Twitter. He's taken to doing some college baseball stuff and, and showcasing some things. And so I think college baseball is becoming in a more – is becoming in a better and better place each day. I could not agree with everything you said more. And it, it, it's it's being lifted a lot by non-traditional media voices like the the Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja guy. And like you mentioned, like, but like, I don't know if five years ago, Kumar Rocker is as big of a name as he is because you're not seeing basically from that guy's Twitter account, just how sick his stuff is. And like you right. mentioned, they've had superstars in the last decade or so, whether it's Bregman, Lang, you know, name sure. there for a stretch, but to your point, he wasn't as big as Kumar Rocker, and it certainly did not start with recruiting. You probably heard a little bit about Bregman in recruiting and a couple of those other guys, but not to the degree of Kumar Rocker. And I also think he's a very likable superstar. Sure. Um, and I don't pretend to know him or even have heard him talk a bunch. I just meant the way he pitches, and like yeah. it's a very enjoyable to watch. He works quick, and he really just kind of goes at your ass every single time he throws it. 
Yeah, no, he he's special to watch. I enjoy. I mean, I will make an effort to watch him pitch tonight against Georgia. And I mean, Georgia has no prayer, but I will make an effort to watch him pitch tonight against Georgia because there's nothing else on. And, and frankly, what getting to watch him pitch in college baseball is something that's not going to get to happen for much longer. And I mean, you don't get to see you know sheer dominance like you see with him and Lighter every every time they take them out. But yeah, I mean. So it, when you talk about the popularity growing, I mean, there's going to be rivalries that bud off of that, and, and Ole Miss, Arkansas is certainly one. I, I, I'll be honest, outside of the Super Regional in 19, I've not been this excited for a baseball series in a long time. It sucks they lost Elko because, man, you, you talk about a team at full strength. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, I can tell you this. The weather doesn't look great for Friday night. I think there will be 12,500 people there on Saturday afternoon. How often is Mississippi getting rain, man? I feel like I live in Florida now every time you say that. Well, it's, 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 the scattered, it's the scattered shower. It's not like thunderstorms and tornadoes. It's just there's some scattered showers that are predicted to hit right at first pitch. Uh, but Saturday looks good at, at 4 o'clock. And if they can get tomorrow and especially if Ole Miss wins on Friday night, Saturday got a chance to be a zoo. Yeah, absolutely. And that's probably as good a transition as any. That was a nice open, though. I didn't have uh, – talking college baseball rivalries <laughs> down as if I ever have copious notes written down. But that was solid. And then we transitioned right into the series to where it's interesting to where you look at State and Arkansas's series the last, like, three, four years, and it's been weird because it's been littered with sweeps. And sure. oftentimes, has it been the visiting team that's kept sweeping? I feel like no, I it's been it's been the home team until this year. Okay, so I had that backwards. And, yeah, and then Arkansas goes in and sweeps them this year. So we're Ole Miss and Arkansas the last couple of years, and it, it kind of is a triangle because Wright State really had Ole Miss's number, but Arkansas and uh, Ole Miss have really just kind of had some wars. I mean, how that even that 2017 well, Ole Miss team that sucked pretty much saved their whole season up in Fayetteville. Well, uh, Arkansas has won, I believe it is one regular season series against Ole Miss since 2011. Uh, we won't talk about postseason series. Those, those don't count. But, I mean, Ole Miss has kind of had their number, but in that same right, like 2019 is an absolute fight and 2018 is an absolute fight. And 20, I think, 15 or 14 was, I mean, an absolute war. It's just like, yeah, Ole Miss has had some luck when they played Arkansas, but, you know, one ball has hit five, five feet to the right, five feet to the left in either one of these series, and Ole Miss has a completely different record against Dave Van Horn than what they do. Yeah, you're definitely right about that, and it's interesting that and it, the 2019 team went and won the regular season series up there yeah. when they had been playing really crappy baseball. Like, that was kind of yeah. the start. They had lost to Missouri the previous the week. Yeah, that's right, and really looked bad doing it. But it was interesting when heading into that postseason series, and I tried to dig up this stat earlier in the week for the newsletter, but I couldn't find it. Do you remember that stat floating around the week Ole Miss was going to Fayetteville for the Super about – Arkansas has only lost blank home series in the last three years, and Ole Miss is two of them. Do you remember what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I, I remember it well. Yeah. Um, I know it's an absurd stat now and that they only use, they've only lost one, and Ole Miss is the one. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss, Ole Miss beat their last 19. Trips and they had lost like two total series at home since 2018 or something ridiculous. So, like, in a way, Ole Miss has kind of had their number, but obviously Arkansas kind of got it when it, when it really mattered uh, up there. But you know, that was, that was a combination of a lot of things. I think Arkansas was just a better team than they were. was. I know you like in the past we've gotten awed by some Vanderbilt lineups, but that 2019 Arkansas lineup, you would look at it, particularly I remember like halfway through game three, and I was like, 
So where do you get out? Which part of this is you supposed to get kids out? That lineup was so good. It's like Dominic Fletcher's the sixth hole. Are we sure here? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's wasn't the yeah, open kid hitting really low in that lineup too, or am I yeah, someone else? They had yeah. a great first center fielder also who was a stud, Dominic Fletcher. Yeah, and he was down there too. Like it was, yeah. I was like, where do you like poor the yeah. nine hole hitter has to really feel inferior here? Yeah, it wasn't fair. And almost beat that team four times that year, three times. Yeah, three times that year. <laughs> it's just like, what do you do? Wait, no, they beat them twice. Yeah, they beat them four times a year because Ole Miss played them seven times. Ole Miss won four of them. They didn't win two, the two that mattered the most. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that they mashed that year. That's kind of not the case this year, though, when you when you talk about Arkansas. They're not coming into Swayze and mashing the baseball all over the place. So, um, completely different makeup of a team. Yeah, it really is, uh, and it's it's interesting kind of how things change and how quickly they change in the DNA of these teams. And you mentioned being dominant and talking about being dominant on the mound. I think it was in reference to Kumar Rocker, but with the injury to Tim Elko, as we alluded to earlier in the week, Ole Miss is absolutely going to have to be more dominant sure. um, on the mound. And I think that's going to be every bit as key as being more consistent at the plate to where it's like if you thought Gunnar Hoagland wasn't getting any run support and had added pressure on him now, well, it only amplifies. Sure. Um, and, I mean, let me be clear. I think Gunnar Hoagland is going to be pitched very well on Friday night. I think Doug McKenzie is going to pitch very well on Saturday afternoon. Um, and I think they're going to hold Arkansas to, to very few number of runs. It's can Ole Miss's offense perform. And if Ole Miss's offense – look, if Ole Miss has a good weekend offensively, there's no doubt in my mind that Ole Miss is going to win this series. Um, let me know how Ole Miss's offense performed. I think that's what comes down to because I think Ole Miss is going to pitch it extremely well. Arkansas does not hit that well. People get enamored, and, and I'm going to hear about what I'm saying. I, I know that. People get enamored with what Arkansas did in Starkville that weekend. And then forget to realize that they've played seven other weekends. And they weren't good offensively those seven other weekends. When you talk about against Power 5 teams, I mean, sure, they went to Mississippi State, beat up a good pitching staff. But they also played against games against Alabama and Auburn where they did absolutely nothing against starters and, and high, you know, uh, very good relievers. Um, they, they beat up back ends of bullpens where guys are, you know, they're throwing righties that throw 88 to 90 miles an hour and, and guys in Auburn that can't throw strikes. Um, but you're talking about an Arkansas team that's coming in here this weekend that has done very, very little against power five starters. So I'm interested to see how that offense plays it. Cause that's, that's what I'm saying. If Ole Miss's offense can perform that they're going to win the series. Wow. That's a bold prediction. I don't uh, hate it though. And you mentioned the state thing too. I, I think that was probably the weekend <laughs> played fine and pitched fine, but wasn't, don't you figure that was the weekend you kind of figured out, okay, state might have a problem offensively. Sure, sure, because, if, yeah, I mean, that's – that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll just say it like that. That's the weekend where you look at State and it's like, I think this team's pretty good, but there there's an issue there. And, frankly, that issue was not resolved against Kentucky either. Uh, yeah, it was not. And they – but didn't – did they end up sweeping under – they, they did. They did. But, they look, they scored eight runs on Kentucky's midweek guy. They scored on Thursday. And then they scored seven over the next two games. I mean, Kentucky just couldn't hit. Yeah. And so, as we kind of transition into it, like, you talk about kind of big picture first before we really get into, like, I guess matchups and stuff. It's like this is probably going to be fairly consequential in the West. I wouldn't necessarily rule State out yet because they did make up a little bit of ground on Miss loses two at three. But, I mean, the winner of this series is going to be sitting in the uh, 
the uh, cliched catbird seat for the West, the rest of the sure. West. And uh, you talk about with the news, you know, we have, we can get to this in a second, but we, I don't think we've done a podcast. We did do a podcast, but didn't talk about the news that came out about the predetermined host sites or did we, I can't even remember. No, we have not discussed that, but I get, we'll get to that in a little bit, but with that being the case, now it makes this series even more paramount in terms of the kind of the, the number of SEC wins you won't Ole Miss to get to to have a chance there. And you figure if they get to 12 by that May 10th weekend, they really have nothing to worry about. Well, I, I, I'll go 13, but yeah, um, thir- 13 would make me feel well. No, 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 I'm, no, 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 sorry. No, no, 12. They're playing 24. Yeah, no, I had that wrong. You're right. I had it two weeks earlier, and I don't know what the – I don't know where that came from um, as far as that. It's May 10th, so what you would want to be at is – I'm going 15. I was about to say 15, too. I basically had two weeks off. Add more three, – three more games in there. But sure. be that as it may, we can get into the math lesson later. Uh, it makes these games even more paramount with the, uh, yep. with the whole predetermined host site or whatever you want to call it. It's really they're just selecting the host two weeks earlier to prepare for COVID protocols. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, look, this is a, this is the weekend that you're able to separate yourself from Arkansas, right? Uh, when, when you talk about, you know, gauging who needs to be a national seed. And, look, there's a very real possibility, and I would frankly bet on it, um, that both of these teams will be national seeds. But you, when you're talking about, you know, a team that just lost their best player and is playing at home, it is a series that you do need to win. I, I do think – I think there's more pressure on Ole Miss to win this series than Arkansas, frankly, for a few reasons. I think, again, you're playing at home. I think, and I may get shunned a little bit for this, I think Ole Miss's 18 RPI is beginning to worry me a little bit. So I think they need wins and to get that RPI up a little bit when you talk about playing the number one RPI team in the country. Um, and I think, frankly, they need to see him play well without Tim Elko because I think the reality is that he's not going to be there at least for a long time and maybe even for the rest of the year. So I think there's a multitude of reasons as to why Ole Miss needs this series more than Arkansas. I'm not saying that the season's done without, uh, you know, winning this series, but I, I do think the math and, and everything that comes along with it is, is reason for, for Ole Miss to have more pressure on it this weekend. I thought I was about to you kind of took the words out of my mouth there when you're talking about particularly the Friday game like you lose your best player like Ole Miss obviously the, the weekend is going to be more consequential as a whole but the note I had written down was the I think the Friday game matters for Ole Miss a whole hell of a lot too not only because it appears you are going to have Derek Diamond in on Sunday against uh say say it for me Zebulon Vermillion um, okay so they they've announced rotations Really? Is that so correct? That you make it sound like that there's a shakeup. Well, Zebulon pitches on Saturday. So who's going Zebulon. to play for them? Uh, Lyle Lockhart. Okay. But be that as it may, with Derek Diamond going on Sunday and kind of the inconsistency you've had out of him, that coupled with the fact – I think they just need to see something go their way and play well and particularly sure. perform well offensively when kind of the, the heart and soul of your, your lineup goes down for, I think, the season. But – definitely a long period of time I mean you saw the when you saw it in the dugout on Monday whenever this happened you know he gives back on crutches and they're all embracing him like it has an effect on the other guys too and I think having a good result and a good performance immediately after this happened is important and with all due respect to Alcorn State that wasn't uh, providing that uh no and and frankly Ole Miss didn't play that well against Alcorn State and I didn't expect them to I mean you go through what they went through on Monday night and then that's tough man so uh yeah 
I, I think they need uh, I, I think they need Gunnar Hoagland to be good. I think Gunnar Hoagland will be good. Frankly, I don't think Arkansas scores more than one on Gunnar Hoagland. Um, I, 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 hell, I'll just say it. I think Gunnar Hoagland goes seven innings and gives up one earned runner lessons. I think we have an Auburn performance on Friday night. And you know, um, what's interesting is he's done that pretty much every time out except for a couple of solo shots against Alabama. Well, he hasn't gotten his deep. Yeah, that is true. But he, what, he goes six against Florida. And to be completely honest, I think that's easily seven if they don't bad news bears it in a couple of innings. So you've kind of gotten that out of him most every weekend. It's just true. a matter of can Ole Miss score um, on an opposing ace? Because we brought up that stat um, on last – whether it was Sunday podcast, whatever – I think Ole Miss has scored one run over 18 innings against a team's quote-unquote ace. And even if you count the kid that started instead of Mace, it's only one more unearned – I can't talk – unearned runs difference. And that's probably going to be the key here for Ole Miss, and you're doing it without your best guy. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. If if Ole Miss scores four runs on Friday night, I think they win, frankly, and I think they win pretty comfortably. Because I just don't see how Arkansas – I'm going to give you some stats here in a second. I don't see how Arkansas has a ton of success off Gunnar Hoagland. Here is a uh, – here's Arkansas slash line. I don't want to make sure I'm, I'm very clear in what I'm saying. Against power five starting pitching. Here we go. 203, 289, 383, 672. They hit almost 200 against five, power five starting pitching. Like, they don't – they can't – hit elite arms and we talk about Ole Miss and I know people say well what does Ole Miss hit okay 254 or 258 um and have a 714 OPS so it's a 50 point difference OPS wise 50 point different batting average wise I, Arkansas has struggled all year against dominant arms and frankly they're going to see the best arm they've seen on Friday night really outside of one weekend though right because the kid from state just kind of wasn't good yeah, and and yeah, pretty much the the kid from uh, the McLeod kid who's never been bad in his life had a bad night against Arkansas. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, and obviously, I mean, it, it's going to play into it being a pitcher's door. So it's it's really kind of what team can really prove itself. But if you look at their offensive numbers as a whole, I mean, you just outlined it there with those statistics against Power Five schools. Even without Tim Elko, you probably bet on Ole Miss because Ole Miss has hit all the other guys fine. It's just been kind of the top level guys. And, again, that stat that I threw out is still a very small sample size, but it's also not against the elite of the elite in this league in terms of arm talent, it being Auburn and Alabama. Not bad by any means. And Friday night is Friday night in terms of arm talent in this league. But that's really kind of what this game probably comes down to. And wouldn't you venture to bet on Ole Miss in terms of uh, if you're betting on someone to score four runs? Oh, yeah. I mean, if I'm betting the game, and I might. I might take – I mean, I would take Ole Miss. I, I don't think Arkansas is going to score much on Friday. Frankly, I don't think Arkansas is going to score much on Friday or Saturday. Um, I mean, when you – I gave you the power five stat lines against starters. Uh, against left-handed starting pitchers, it's even worse. We're talking about at that point 177, 269, and 365 with a 634 OPS against left-handed power five starters. So I, I don't see them having success against Gunnar Hoagland or Doug McKayzie. And it's how deep can those guys get into the game? Because if you're Arkansas and what you do is you let Gunnar Hoagland hand the ball to Taylor Broadway and then the next day you let Doug, Doug McKayzie hand the ball to Taylor Broadway, man, you're just screwed at that point. So if you're Arkansas, what your, what your game plan is is get those dudes off the mound where they have to go to middle relief because Arkansas tears apart guys' middle relief. 
Um, and if you're Ole Miss and you're Gunnar Hoagland and you're Doug Nikhazy, it's, man, let's get deep enough into this game where, A, I either finish this or, B, I hand the ball to Broadway. Because if Ole Miss can walk off the mound and use two guys uh, on Friday and Saturday, they will win both of those games. Yeah, not to mention particularly if it happens on Friday. Like, if Gunner goes like six and two-thirds, and even if, like, Broadway's pitch count has to go up to, you know, 25 – I mean, 35 pitches or so to maybe get a, you know, I guess seven-out save or whatever, kind of like Mike used him in Arlington, uh, presuming that the the back end of the uh, starting rotation is going to be the same with Derek Diamond. If it happens like that on Friday, even if you don't have Broadway, the whole Doug to McDaniel thing is is, is pretty daunting for Arkansas as well. Sure, sure. I mean, I do think this is the weekend. Everybody, like, made the joke at the beginning of the year. It's like, oh, Mike's going to abuse Broadway's arm. He does this all the time, and he has. And he's thrown 6.2 innings the past three weeks. I think this is the weekend where Taylor Broadway might show up all three games. Boy, that would concern some people, particularly if it doesn't work. But I think, um, I mean, most every time he's done it so far, it worked. I mean, how he pitched him twice in one day. Yeah, and he was a freak <laughs> show in both of them. Yes, he was. And so Arkansas, from a, from a hitting perspective, like, I don't know, it seems like an eclectic blend of young and old. I think they're an okay hitting team. I mean, I, again, I hate looking at batting average, but when you try to, try to gauge how good a team is from top to bottom of their lineup, I think looking at kind of how many guys are at a respectable clip is a pretty good indicator for batting average and not really not much else used for that. But, you know, they're a very middling SEC offensive team, and it kind of makes you wonder how – kind of how they're in the position they're in, but I guess it's because the pitching's kind of been lights out. Yeah, um, starting pitching. And, and what's funny is, I mean, the guy that's their Friday night guy, um, he was not in their rotation the first SEC weekend. They got – if you remember, they get absolutely bombed by, Ar- by Alabama, the, the first game of SEC play. And Wicklander comes in in relief after the game's essentially over. Throws 5.1 innings, gives up one earned run. Um, and the next weekend at Mississippi State, Van Horn says, the hell with it, let's start him on Friday night. And the kid's been a freak since then. Um, over the next, you know, the start against Mississippi State, the start against Auburn. Um, you know, and, and look, I mean, he, he's the guy that I believe, yeah, he's the left-handed pitcher that started game three against Ole Miss in the Super Regional. Um, I believe he started – I could be – Wrong on this. I believe he started game two against Ole Miss and the uh, and Hoover that year. So they've seen him a few times. But, you know, uh, I say they've seen him a few times. Arkansas saw Gunnar Hoagland three times in 2019, which they shouldn't have, but whatever. Um, so it's – I think it's a situation where you just kind of have to wait and see with Wicklander. But, you know, uh, he's been really good for, for Arkansas. Now, their other two guys, Lyle Lockhart on, on Sunday, uh, really good pitcher. They don't trust him to go deep, though. He, he's only gone more than five innings once this year, uh, and that was, I believe, against Auburn where he went 5.2. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, but he's only gone more than five innings once. I do know that. So they don't trust him to go deep into games. Um, and then, frankly, Zebulon Vermillion, Vermillion, who started their last two games uh, on Saturday against Mississippi State, or their second game against Mississippi State and against Auburn, has frankly just gotten ripped to shreds uh, the past two weekends. Uh, he's a right-handed pitcher who strikes out uh, 4.5 hitters per nine innings in SEC play, so he doesn't strike anybody out. Um, and he's just gotten torched so far. He's got a five ERA against Power Five teams. 
I I think there's a real chance Ole Miss has done some damage on on Saturday against him. I think if you made me pick right now and said Ole Miss is going to win uh, for sure one game, you have to pick that game. I, I think right now I would lean Saturday. Was Lockhart the insertion when they put Wicklander in fr- on Friday night? No, Lockhart's been their Sunday guy all year. So who who how, what was the shift there? What am I missing here? Uh, they they threw their Friday night guy into the bullpen, uh, Peyton. Polite, I believe is his name. They they threw him into the bullpen, and he's not been good there either. No, he's really kind of been bad the rest of the year. It kind of shifting back uh, gears offensively to them for a second. You know, we mentioned them being a pedestrian offense. That's probably a little bit too harsh because for all of their other flaws, uh, you know what they do do? What? They hit the ball over the fence, and they do it. They do. They do. But in, in some ways, right, like it's – it's kind of the Alabama approach where they're going to strike out a ton. Now, they're better than Alabama offensively, let me be clear. But it's you're not going to get a lot of hits, so you try to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah, I mean, just looking at it, I'm about to pull up these SEC stats now. They're not great. No, it's interesting. They're, 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 they lead the entire conference in homers. They have 50 on the year. They're second in slugging percentage, sixth in average tied for eighth in hits with Alabama, and third to last in doubles. They have a couple triples, but I imagine if you're adding them up here, they're middle of the pack to bottom of the pack in terms of hitting extra base hits, and they don't drive a whole hell of a lot of runs in. They're kind of a middling team to bottom half team on that. It's kind of a perplexing group. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they are not what I would – look, I am not scared of Arkansas's East offense in, in any form or fashion. Um, I I think the game plan for Ole Miss, frankly, is can you get uh, Wicklander off the mound? It's, you know, how we talk about don't let – if you're Arkansas, don't let Gunnar Hoagland hand the ball to Taylor Broadway. If you're Ole Miss, don't let Patrick Wicklander hand it to Carter Cops because if Carter Cops comes in the game with a one-run lead and six outs to get – I'm, I'm just going to go to the library because the game's probably over at that point. And in terms of Ole Miss's side, in terms of hitting the baseball, I mean, the, the way we just kind of, kind of, I guess, painted that picture from a t- statistics perspective is really kind of the name of the game. If Ole Miss pitches well and if Gunner and Doug pitch well, Arkansas is going to have a hard time scoring. But if they make mistakes, Arkansas will hit it over the fence. And that's kind yeah, of no, what the state got into, right? State, Arkansas hit the ball all over the yard into those hotels and all that stuff they have out there. I don't mean that as a knock, but just all over the rigs, the hotels, they hit it over the fence a lot. Uh, that was really what kind of killed State was the mistakes up. So it's, it's kind of a – they'll punish you if they make mistakes, but they're also not going to put together a ton of great at-bats and really just be like, damn, how did we not get any of these kids out? No, that's, that's a really good point. If, if Gunner and Doug keep the ball in the ballpark, Ole Miss is going to have a successful uh, day on the mound. If they don't, then Arkansas is going to punish them because um, they're going to go up there with the mindset that they need to run the ball out of the ballpark because that's, frankly, only, the only way they've had a ton of success from an OPS standpoint. That's what's kind of driven their OPS to be what it is because they don't bunch a ton of hits together. You're exactly right. So, you know, I mean, and Gunner's only flaw this year is that he's given up a few too many home runs. So he's got to be careful with that. I think, and, you know, maybe I'm wrong. You correct me if I'm wrong here. If it's kind of raining tomorrow night, that kind of helps keep the ball in the yard does it not oh absolutely which will obviously play into Ole Miss's advantage as we just outlined I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place with you here but I don't so apparently I missed this so I saw Arkansas twice in yeah twice in Arlington and 
granted, the Coors Gold Tops were flowing a little bit in that stadium. I, I, won't, <laughs> I won't deny it. But I just assumed they had gone with Wicklander and Vermillion all year. What, what I guess based on what I saw from them in 2019 and Wicklander in 2019, why in the hell was that kid not in the starting rotation from the beginning of the year? Can you answer that for me? That I mean, just looking at it on the surface, that seems to make little to no sense. Particularly, I, I, I have little answer for top. you on that. Um, you want to you hear something funny? The game two starter against uh, Ole Miss in the Super Regional is still on the team and has not pitched an SEC inning this year. Connor Nolan can't get in an SEC game. Just been absolutely putrid. So, I don't know what's happening from a pitching staff down there, but uh, not been great so far, to be honest with you. Is Nolan still playing football? No, he quit football after the 2019 t- year because he was so good at baseball in 2019 that he was like, I'm just going to go full-time baseball, and then he can't get anybody out. Damn, that kid was good. What was the Rex Specs kid that I'm already forgetting his name? Isaiah Campbell. I don't want to talk about him. Yeah, man. He, he was fun to watch, I'll tell you what, though. And then I'm looking at up and down their bullpen, and it, this doesn't stick out anymore because Ole Miss, had already, uh, Ole Miss had already put the game away at this point in that game, too. But that Elijah Tress kid, who you probably shouldn't need to know his name. He's a very average middling reliever for them. He has seven appearances on the year. Gray Kessinger hit a ball to left field off of him. Yeah. And I think he stood at home plate for 15 seconds so the umpire shoved him down the first baseline. That is what sticks out to me from that game two win, and I don't know why, because if I'm not mistaken, that made the score 11-5. to five. It was already basically over, but when he hit that ball, that just felt like y'all are not winning today. Sorry. <laughs> I do remember that. I did. I now remember that's all. that was all Tress. So, yeah, um, from a bullpen standpoint, when you talk about Arkansas, look, Carter Cops is – I believe that's his name. I know his last name's Cops. I'm pretty sure it's Carter. Uh, he throws a cutter that's unhittable. If, if you want a comp at Scott Biddle, it's unhittable. Um, and Arkansas will run him in the ground. They threw him three innings on Thursday night last week. They threw him one inning on Friday and one inning on Saturday. You want to talk about actually running somebody in the ground? That's it. Um and the you know, reason for that is, and you're following <laughs> this direction anyway, it's been an adventure before they get to him. Yep, Jackson Wiggins is their setup guy who throws 95 miles an hour. Uh, excuse me. He throws 98 miles an hour, but God knows where it's going. I know where I'm going if he gets Dunhurst or uh, Graham this weekend, though. Um, but, you know, it's it's not great the bullpen past cops, but they will extend cops for all he's worth, and they will get the most out of him. So you better not be behind late in the game because Dave Van Horn will run him out as many times as he can. Yeah, and I caught pieces of that uh... – pieces of the Mississippi State series and they had a I think a right-handed kid named Monk or something and then yeah Caden Monk who they were both okay I guess the costume kid was not very good at all and then they throw a little bit of uh Wiggins I guess I don't even remember if he was he might be a freshman but outside of that I mean they don't trust any of the three guys I named I would say in terms of you made you know if you gave Dave Van Horn truth serum but that's kind of all they got, and they don't really go to anyone past that. Yeah, they, Wiggins is their setup guy, and that they put him in before cops because he throws really hard. Um, so they hope that somebody might, you know, swing past it. But he kind of walks the park too. Um, so for and levels of trust, it's like Carter cops, extreme fall off. Jackson Wiggins, extreme fall off. Caden Monk, and then it's kind. That's kind of it. And you can tell just by looking at their stat sheet, poor Van Horn has searched. There's a bunch of dudes with eight, nine appearances in here, but none of it's good. Yeah, none of you can get out. 
I mean, seriously, they're – I mean, I again, ERA, I'm looking at ERA and batting average, but I still do find it funny, like, looking at it when in terms of, like, the team's total stat sheets. You're talking about two dudes that didn't play, Cops, who's been pretty much unhittable, his ERA is under one, and then yeah. Wiggins is at 1.86, and then literally everyone else in the roster is three-plus. Yeah, and if you look at Wiggins, it's pretty – it's not It's not under one, or it's not under two. I don't think it's under three in SEC play. Um, so and do you know. they not have whip listed for a reason? <laughs> they do the old school stats. You know how like Ole Miss has the the nice, uh, you know, XML stats. No, Arkansas has the old uh, HTML stats, so it kind of sucks. Uh, Mississippi State doesn't even you know list their conference stats, so it's going to suck for my spreadsheet next week. But anyways, um, you know, so I, Arkansas's bullpen's not great outside of Carter Cops, but the thing is, Carter Cops may just be their whole bullpen if, if you let them. Um, I don't think Zebulon Vermillion is going to get deep enough into a baseball game on Saturday uh, for them to be able to hand it to Carter Cops. I think that if Ole Miss doesn't play well offensively on Friday night, they could run into that situation on Friday night with, with Cops just getting the ball from Wicklander. So Ole Miss has to be – I'm not saying be patient. I'm saying be selectively aggressive. Um, and and let Gunner be awesome. That I think that's the thing. You have to let Gunner be awesome, and that means don't make errors. Do not make errors. Let Gunner get his get his 105 pitches in, and let that be seven innings of one run or no run baseball. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned Arkansas's pitching staff and kind of the adventure the bullpen's uh, been. I think it's probably no better highlighted than the fact that no one walks more hitters than them in this league, other than Georgia. Technically, it's two, but I think we should make an amendment on this podcast that anything Missouri does does not count. They don't Holy count. balls, I just pulled it up. I don't know if I'm allowed to say balls on this show. Yeah, it's your show. It is my show. I am allowed to say it. Put that in the, uh, put that in the handbook. Dude, <laughs> you're not going to believe this. So, Arkansas is 12th in the SEC. They've issued 113 walks this year. Not great. Okay. Georgia, actually a hell of a lot worse. They've issued 11 more at 124. Go ahead and throw me out a guess as to how many walks the mighty Missouri Tigers have issued this year. All right. So the way you're saying it, um, 176. 184. <laughs> oh, my God. I would have won it. Price is right. That's, dude, and that's the second or third time we've done one of these podcasts and I've made you guess what Missouri's done, is it not? Yeah, I still – they're so bad I still can't even get it right. I can't even go over Okay, one more, and I swear, I swear, I'm done. That's uh, fun. How many runs allowed do you think that Missouri's? Uh, against All right. Well, here? okay. So are they? Hold on. Are they last in this? Yeah, yeah. So I'll give you a little bit of. I'll give you. Yeah, a give me some context. Pressure. So Florida is 12th in the league at 133, and LSU is uh, 13th. So obviously second worst. They've given up 142 runs. They've had all kinds of problems on their pitching mm. staff. Missouri, mm -hmm. go. 206. Oh yeah. See now you're now you're catching up with the handicap. 201. <laughs> But oh to, to their credit, Do you think Missouri has only hit 28 batters. They're second in the league in that. So they have that. Ooh, there you go. Oh, they, they can put off. that on the recruiting pamphlet. Don't injure people. South Carolina – I'm sorry. I'm just distracted by this now. South Carolina's boxed six times. How does that work? Anyway, this is bad <laughs> podcasting. But you're right. They can hang their hat on that. Um, Kind of getting past Friday, though. If it kind of goes to script, you have your bullpen still intact. I think that's going to be vitally important for Ole Miss – to kind of put the hammer down through the first two games. Because if it goes 1-1 on Sunday and it's two pitchers you don't trust and Ole Miss is out without their biggest gun in the lineup, I'm not saying they can't win by any stretch, but you feel a hell of a lot more uneasy 
to where if you win Friday, like I think it's of ultra importance, and I'm stating the obvious here, to go ahead and knock that thing out and don't waste Doug start on Saturday and McDaniel and whomever else you have left. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the goal, right, is is let, let Doug be really good, get after Vermillion, don't have to waste a whole lot of bullpen arms on Saturday because I think, frankly, you're a lot better on Saturday. Um, so Doug needs to be really good. Ole Miss needs to score him four or five runs in the first five or six innings, and, and they need to let Tyler Myers finish the game um, and, and then have Drew McDaniel because Tyler Myers, I think, is your third best bullpen arm. Um, and then have Drew McDaniel and Taylor Broadway, who probably, if Ole Miss is going to win on Friday night, Taylor Broadway probably closes the game. Um, and have both of those guys fresh and ready to go for what is going to probably be a high-scoring affair on Sunday. Yeah, right. And in the way – I thought the way you said it at the top of this show or when we first started discussing Arkansas was, was good in the sense that the way Arkansas has piled up some of their home run number slugging percentages has been off a lot of kind of middle-tier guys, particularly in people's bullpens, rather than starting pitching. Uh, didn't you have – you tweeted out a couple of stats earlier today about yeah. particularly first, second time – through the order. I don't know if any of that is indicative of what I'm talking about, but uh, feel free to plug that away. Uh, let me pull it up. So here we go. Arkansas first time through the order is hitting 0.8 against power five pitchers uh, hitting 0.88 have a 177 OBP have a 235 slug and a 412 on base percentage. Now here's what makes, makes this interesting. They're very – they're not very good. Let me let me rephrase. Um, Arkansas, the second time through, has an OPS, I believe, of around 739. So their OPS goes up about 360 points uh, the second time through the order. Well, when you talk about Gunnar Hoagland the second time through the order, uh, here's his numbers. 147 batting average, 216 uh, on base percentage, 230. 324 slugging, OPS of 540. So what that tells me is, okay, Arkansas isn't going to do anything against Gunnar Hoagland the first time. Where he is, he's he is uh, he's his most vulnerable the first time through the order. His numbers first time through the order: 250, 333, 406. Gunnar has a 739 OPS against the first time through the order against Power Five teams. So when you think back about his starts, that kind of makes sense. Uh, you know, Alabama was able to get to him a little bit early. Texas Tech was able to get to him a little bit early. Uh, Florida scores the first inning run. Um, but Arkansas doesn't hit power five guys the first time through the order. They kind of make their hay the second time. And Gunnar Hoagland's unhittable the second time through the order. Um, so that's why I think on Friday night, Ole Miss is going to have a lot of success. When you talk about Doug Nikhazy, frankly, he's silly the second time through the order as well. 118 batting average against, 250 on base, 176 slug, good God, 426 OPS, whereas his first time through the order where Arkansas doesn't hit, his OPS is 180 points higher at 606. So if Arkansas is not able to get to these guys the first time through the order, you're talking about Gunnar Hoagland and Doug McKay being able to settle in and, and go long times through the through the you know game. If if Ole Miss can if Gunnar and Doug are successful the first time through the order, I think you're gonna see both of those have really successful and, and maybe special performances. Yeah, well said. And I think it puts an even more paramount importance on not making an early mistake and letting a cheap one slip. And I guess you could use Alabama as an example for Hoagland. But neither one of those – one of them was worse than the other. But neither one of those early solo shots were terrible pitches. 
uh, I think we kind of declared them a little bit of scouting report home runs where they jumped all over it. But sure. the only way that gets screwy where Gunner allows a base, you know, a base runner on, and then he makes a mistake and the kid hits it over the fence and it's 2-0 in the second to where, you know, all those numbers you just outlined, I guess don't necessarily hold up as much to when you make a mistake like that. But if he does what he's supposed to do, Ole Miss will be fine. Um, but the, where I was getting to with that in terms of wanting to secure the first two games, obviously, like breaking news, Ole Miss wants to win the first two baseball games. I would bet if you ask Mike, I'll have to ask him, he probably wants to win all three. But what I was that's, getting at was, is you how do you build character if you win all three, though? That's a great point. He may be trying to lose them. Uh, some people on the message board might argue that. But <laughs> what I was getting at is to where your most significant advantage to where Arkansas is so bad, particularly early in games against starting pitching, really tailors off with Derek Diamond. And maybe it's a little bit different because Diamond is not your typical Sunday guy, as we discussed from a stuff standpoint. Is he not, though, at this point? Okay, from, yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at, to where the potential and the stuff, like how many Sunday guys are hitting 95, 96 every now and again? But, it, like, that's kind of what I was getting at is you've got to play the – like you've got to judge the results. kind of is what he is at this point. So, it, it, to me, it's of paramount importance for Ole Miss to snag the first two because their greatest advantage in this series kind of erodes by the time you get to Sunday. Right. I don't think Ole Miss – and that's a good, great way to put it. I don't think Ole Miss is at a disadvantage on Sunday. I just think they have one on Friday and Saturday and that they're going to be better on the mound and they're a better hitting team than Arkansas. So you should probably win both of those. Uh, will they? I don't know. It's going to be tough without without Tim Elko. Um, but I do think Ole Miss is the better baseball team on Friday and Saturday. Whereas on Sunday, I don't necessarily believe that. If Ole Miss absolutely shoves the first two games or hell, maybe they get killed. But the point being – that Drew McDaniel has not been used for whatever reason on Friday and Saturday, is there any chance that he starts on Sunday? No, no not, not if Mike announces Diamond as the starter. Now, I will tell you, uh, Diamond better not walk the first two. <laughs> he better not walk the first two because okay. he might not get a third hitter. Okay, so, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's fair. So, if, okay, if, he, if you have used McDaniel – and he struggles early. I know, I know I'm asking you to answer an impossible question because you don't know what the rest of the weekend goes. But assuming it kind of goes how maybe you think it goes, where are you going bullpen-wise for that long relief? Because you're probably just in a pinch. Uh, you just yeah, – I mean, Wes Burton, Josh Mallett, you just pray and figure it out. And you figure out how to get nine innings. And if you can get it to the eighth with a lead, you ask Taylor Broadway if you've got any bullets left, and you hope he does. And if he does, you send him out there. And if it works, it works. Kind of like that crazy thing where uh, two year, or I guess in 2018, where he threw two innings or two and a third on on Friday night, and closed out Arkansas, and uh, they sent Dallas Wolfolk and Will Stokes and uh, somebody else to close out the game against Arkansas on Saturday, and uh, they were just like, "Hey, uh, Parker, could you try to get loose?" And he was like, "Sure," and he got loose and then came in, closed the last inning. That's what I envisioned uh, Broadway maybe having to do on Sunday. Yeah, and then I was, I was about to say, if it gets kind of in a dicey scenario, I don't necessarily buy this, but could I interest you in a name that could potentially be heroic is very, very strong term for an April baseball No, team. Tim Elko's not going to come off the bench and hit a homer this weekend, Brian. Whoa, you were going even bigger brain <laughs> than I was. I, I respect the hell out of that. I, that had not even popped into my brain. Um, how about Braden Forsythe? Ooh, ooh, I like it. He's like better in the midweek. We punished him. I say we punished him. We banished him into the midweek after he struggled in late February, right? And we yeah. kind of said, 
hey, this is a guy when Ole Miss is at full strength, they're going to. Mike was feeling himself with Forsyth a little bit on Wednesday or Tuesday night. He was, but his numbers, his numbers were not good. But his last three outings, he has gone four and two-thirds and allowed one earned run on two hits. Yeah, and Mike was feeling himself in that post-game interview about Forsyth. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me if he gets an inning this weekend. Well, that's kind of what – so, it, I say late February. It was technically Belmont. He sucked against yeah. Belmont, and that's when it was kind of like, okay, he needs to go figure it out in the midweek for a while, which is exactly what Mike did, which proves he's probably listening right now. But True. we mentioned – True. That, hey, Mike, start Drew McDaniel. Anyways. <laughs> if that happens, we're taking credit for it just because <laughs> – that If that happens, I'm going and sitting in the dugout. But we said at the time, it's like, hey, this is not a guy that can just – or they can, I guess. This is not a guy they, they need to just cast off and, okay, this kid can't see SEC innings. He needs to figure it out and come back and help them. And we're right at the four-week mark of him, his bullpen demotion, if you want to call it that, just sure. midweek. That's kind of a guy to look out for if things maybe get a little squirrely uh, for Ole Miss from a pitching standpoint. And maybe not even squirrely. That doesn't even necessarily – it has to mean it goes bad. Maybe someone's pitch count spikes. Maybe the game just gets a little weird, and you need a couple big outs to close out a huge series. That's who I would have my eye on. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like, you know, you got a backup first baseman. you got a backup closer. If Broadway's not available or you had to run him out there a little bit earlier than you wanted to, man, it'd be nice to have Forsyth back. And at some point, right, like if you're going to use him in big situations in the postseason, you can't just keep throwing him in the midweek. So – um, I, I think the time has come. This is a really good point by you. I think the time has come if – do you believe in the kid or not? Because, you know, if you believe in him, then let's give him some time this weekend. If you don't, then that's, that, that's your decision. That's your call. That's why they pay you over a million dollars and you're one hell of a baseball coach. That's fine. But I think the time has come it, it, to either decide do you believe – do you believe in Braden Forsyth or do you not? Two thoughts to add on to that is, two, if so we've ungrounded him. We've allowed him to come back sure. and big kids. Take he can leave the house at night now. He can. And if he does, and this comes to fruition, we should probably get a kickback from Mike's salary. Um, you know, maybe he can only make more than five major league managers instead of seven. Uh, one last note before we kind of get into the mailbag questions. Uh, you mentioned Wes Burton. Um, what is the deal there? I don't know. If you, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, so I, it's, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned Wes Burton, and to be honest, I haven't kept up with a ton of Wes Burton this year because he hasn't pitched in hardly any important scenarios. But 1.42 ERA, 1.11 whip, okay, yeah, eight appearances, six and a third innings pitch. He's allowed one earned run on three hits with 12 strikeouts and four walks. That's a guy that cannot help you in the weekend? Uh, I think he can. I mean, they, they pitched him, I guess, an out against Alabama. Um, on, on Saturday, and I do remember listening to Mike's press conference, and it was kind of like he was kicking himself and, like, I got to get that kid more innings. So I do think there's a possibility that that going forward he's going to get more innings. Now, in, in fairness to Mike on this, you, they've got a bullpen that's got a lot of guys in it. you got to get a lot of guys in it. So, like, West to me kind of falls into that tier of he's too good to be pitching in the midweek, but he's kind of the bottom level of the SEC bullpen. Does that make sense? Like, he's not the guy that needs to get work in the midweek, like maybe a Braden Forsythe or maybe a Luke Baker. But he's not the guy that you're going to run out there in a 3-2 to game in the seventh either. And they've just not had the type situation where he needs to go in yet, if that, if that does make any sense. 
No, no, you, it does make sense. And I'm not, I'm not doing a gotcha here, but why would you not go to him at this point over uh, Tyler Myers? Because Tyler Myers' last two SEC starts have been very – or, excuse me, appearances. Well, hold on. Let, let's be fair to Myers against Alabama. What, what they asked him to do in that last inning wasn't fair. That's, okay, that's also true because we pointed that out at the time. Um, that was the that was the eight run ninth inning where there's no way in the yeah. world he comes back. They told him he was done. Well, yeah, he, they were down one to nothing. Of course he was done. It, it, like yeah. the only scenario he was coming back was literally Ole Miss scoring seven or more runs or six or more yeah. runs. That's a good point. So that's not totally fair. I'll throw that one a little bit out because that's a kind of deceiving part of the stat sheet. He ends up with a two and a third, four hits, three earned runs. Um, yeah. and three strikeouts to where he was actually after he, threw, after he threw two scoreless. But he was not great against Florida. And I guess that's a good oh. point because the rest of his appearances, he's been fine. So I digress. That's a good point because I'd, for, I'd forgotten about that, even though we were kind of all over that at the time. Because I think I texted you when that happened. It was like, you can't put this on Myers. Like he, he, no, no. I'm surprised he didn't go change clothes. <laughs> Maybe he was pitching in tennis shoes. Yeah, so that's a good point. But I just that was the last note I had on the bullpen. Any other all-encompassing uh, thoughts on this series before we hit a couple of mailbag questions? Uh, I mean, are we going to do picks later? Or are we going to do them now? We'll we'll do picks at the end. We'll go mailbag okay. and then picks. No, no, I I think I pretty much wrapped it up. I, I think oh, I'll say it. I think almost the better baseball team. So. Um, I think they're at home. I think they won the series. Um, frankly, Ole Miss doesn't lose regular season series to Arkansas. So, until they do, I'm going to pick them to win. Yeah, and if they – we'll hit the other side of that in closing then. If they do lose this series, if they lose two out of three, I guess if they get swept, it's a little bit of a different conversation. Mm, don't do that. Yeah, exactly. But if they do lose two out of three, it's going to create an interesting dynamic because they're in great position. They're not screwed by any means. As much as you want to point to the fact that Alabama and Auburn aren't good, even though I would maybe qualify Auburn as the greatest one and eight team of all time. Uh, in yeah, the- it's possible. Up there. Hey, um, I'm telling State right now, don't don't go to the Plains with your heads in your butt. You shouldn't sweep. I mean, no, you should not sleep on them because, you know, they had – I mean, hell, man, they – what, they, they – They had Arkansas swept. They did. And really kind of blew it. They're not a bad baseball team, and that's kind of underscoring my point. Ole Miss should deserve credit for being good enough to win all three of those games instead of kind of throwing a dud and dropping. Well, I mean, just just say this out loud: Ole Miss goes six and zero against Auburn and Alabama. One of those being on the road. Auburn went, or Arkansas went four and two. Like that that does count. It's a good point. I, they do have that. I didn't. I hadn't thought about the common opponents thing. Right, that does count. And what I was getting at was. Obviously, if you lose two out of three, you're still in fine shape. It makes sure. things a little harder. You're still in the thick of things. But it does create this weird dynamic of, okay, the two teams with a nice ranking number by their name, you hadn't been able to get it done, but you beat up on a couple perceived bottom beaters, which I wouldn't yeah. read much into, but it is kind of a weird deal going into a huge series against State. Well, I really – what I don't want, and this isn't fair, and I hope they don't gauge them like this. I don't want to hear about, oh, this is this and this without Tim Elko. It's like, yeah, okay. But but the games he played count. Like, you, you if you're going to do that, then just throw out the whole season. So, um, you know, that's what I'm worried about is that, you know, when it comes to selection time, they do the – oh, well, this is their record, but this is their record without their starting first baseman. It's like, no, that's a load of shit. Okay, so here's a question. That's an interesting point you brought up, and I swear we'll get to the mailbag in a minute. Do you think the college baseball committee – and I know I know it's their job. Don't get me wrong. But yes, with some of the dumb, dumb stuff that the hoops has done in the past, 
and that football does all the time, both of those committees. Do you think that's a huge conversation in the room if Ole Miss is borderline at the end of the year? It's like, well, before and after Elko. Do you think it's that detailed? Yeah. I think it, I think if you're talking about Ole Miss um, being a national seed, yeah, I, I do. No, I mean, but you see what I'm asking? Obviously, it is with us. We watch this team every day. The people listening to this podcast watch this team every day. Do you think those people in that room are talking about that? That's just an – I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. One, one of the people in that room is John Cole. Okay. So, <laughs> that, that probably helps. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, but you got my point, right? Like, no, I do. There's, there's a couple – like, there's definitely members of that committee – that I would have to be like when if Cohen is the guy that brings that up, they'd be like, "Who now?" I'm good. They make too many dumb. I want to. I want to be completely fair to John Cohen when I say this. John Cohen, um, look, he, he's Mississippi State's athletic director. I was being a little facetious there. John Cohen is is a good uh, representative for for Ole Miss to have on the NCAA committee because yes, he's going to fight for Mississippi State, but he's going to fight for the SEC too. Um, he, he's someone that believes SEC baseball is inferior to every other conference, and he's right. Um, I, I was being a little tongue-in-cheek there. But I, I do think that they would discuss that if, and only if, Ole Miss is a national seed borderline host. And, and I don't, Ole Miss isn't going to be a borderline host. They will host a regional. Um, I think if you talk about them being the eight or nine seed, I do think that is a conversation that could happen, yeah. To your point about Cohen, I actually was not even picking up what you were actually putting down there. When you said that, I was just thought of a perspective of a guy that watches a ton of college baseball and obviously home state at 12 tunes. So I wasn't even thinking of the slight <laughs> miss factor. I was just like, oh, actually, that's a guy that would know. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. That just made me think of that because you brought up the uh, the LSU being a national seed in 16 when in all yeah. actuality, the team that should have been the last national seed was in Oxford. There was yeah, let's be clear here. There's politics played in baseball selection committee stuff. Like, you can argue there's not in basketball, and I can't really fight you. I can fight you in baseball. There absolutely is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 I think that 16 is one of the better examples. Or hell, the last time they held the NCAA tournament, college baseball legend Jim Sloshnagel, credit to him for building up the clout. No one would ever go back and do this unless you have too much time on your hand. But if you look at the 19 Missouri baseball team or a handful of other teams behind them and then and then the TCU resume, how TCU got in the tournament other than the fact that they're coached by a guy that's been around the block and it's a good program, you can't make the case for it. It's just not possible. That was one of that's the biggest screw jobs ever. It's almost like the uh, head of the selection committee was in Schlossnagel's wedding. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, dude, almost I like had – I had Aaron Fit on our Rebel Report. That was back when we were doing the Rebel Report. Yeah. I had him on one of the midweek shows. Aaron is literally like one of the – and I'm not just saying this. Like he's like one of those people that's almost like overly nice. Like does not say yeah. a bad word about anyone. And I asked him point blank about that. And I wasn't trying to like pin him in a hard place. I was just curious about his thoughts. And he was like, let's be honest here. Like look who's in the room. Look at the pedigrees. Like that's what happened here. It's wrong. But let's not kid ourselves. Like he was like, if you're asking me to make a case – over t for TCU over Missouri or any of those teams. I can't. It's not possible. Like, we all know what happened here, which coming from Aaron, which I mean, no, he was doing his job, but I don't know. He just seems too nice to really lay down the law like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that is that is exactly what happened. So, uh, there are politics played, and and that's why if I'm Ole Miss, I, I, you, you want to be uh, identifiably better than the eight national, the 
number eight national seed. You'd rather be like number four or five. Let's hit a couple of these mailbag questions. Who is easier to hate, Patrick Reed or Bryson DeChambeau? I don't even think this is a this is a question. It's Patrick Reed easily, and it's interesting because I've done a 180 on both of these guys. Early on in Patrick Reed's career, he was like kind of the the asshole villain on tour. Um, you know, he kind of had a shaky past in college. You know, he, for, I'm filling you in here too. He was at the University of Georgia and basically just got accused of one cheating during qualifiers and two stealing stuff out of people's lockers. And granted, I'll put it, I don't think anything's ever been proven from that. And I don't think he was ever like charged or anything, but he ends up at Augusta State and helps them win a national championship in golf, which if you've ever heard of Augusta State, that's kind of exactly the point. Great player. Then he gets on tour and he's like, kind of the hard guy to get along with but when they're playing Europe in the Ryder Cup he's as fired up as anyone you know and it's kind of fun like he's kind of the fun villain to where then he becomes this guy that's literally bending the rules in his favor like he had that deal where he complained about the tickets the PGA Tour got him to Fenway Park for the Red Sox game for their playoff stop up there like just stuff to where it's like okay this guy's not an enemy he just sucks and so I've transitioned to where – and then once he started cheating and he had the two kind of cheating deals in the last 18 months, I was like, okay, out on Patrick Reed. To where DeChambeau, it was the exact opposite. To where he comes out, he's the, the dork of all dorks. He thinks he's some kind of fake physicist. All his clubs are the same size. He thinks he's smarter than everyone. It was like, what is this shtick, man? Can you not just make a million dollars and win golf tournaments and act like every other stiff, stiff golfer? But I think there was a point where when he won his first major last year – or whenever it was, and won a couple more tournaments, had the success, you'd see him in these post-round interviews and stuff, and it's like, this is not a shtick. This is actually who this guy is. He's just kind of half-dork, half-douche, and he's completely harmless. And so I think DeChambeau's grown on me, one, because of his talent. I could do without him saying, you know, degrees of air density and all that bullshit every time he hits an iron shot. But he's just kind of like, okay, this guy's a dork. We all know dorks. We all know douches. Like, that's just kind of who they are. I bet you like some of the dorks in your life. And that's kind of how I view DeChambeau now to where Reed is just like, this guy sucks. Like, he's just not great to be around. He's not good for golf. That was my monologue. Thoughts? All right. Uh, uh, sounds good to me. Next question. I, I, I know nothing. Who, I know, uh, you know, it was an easy question to answer, but it was an interesting way to phrase it because I think I, don't, I can't be alone in that where I've done a 180 on both of those guys to where if you'd asked me four years ago, I might have actually answered the opposite. Yeah, I just I've always been told Patrick Reed sucks and apparently hates his family. So uh screw that guy. His family watched him win his masters two, three years ago from someone else's house in Augusta off the premises, and I don't even think Reed knew he was they were there. It, it's it's not a great deal. Um Jesus Christ. Yeah, a lot, there's a lot going on there. But Patrick Reed, not a uh, not a great guy. I would not a family man. Yeah, he's like Shooter McGavin if Shooter McGavin were uh, in a bad mood all the time. Um Let's see here. Sorry, you're going to have to bear with us. There's a bunch of master's questions this That's week. That's fine. Just don't – Just I don't know anything. Who do you think wins the green jacket, and who would you like to win it? That's uh, two really different questions. I'd like Ricky Fowler to win it. Sorry, that was a low blow. If you don't know, Ricky Fowler fell out of the top 60 in the world – or top 50 and is not qualified. And he's kind of become the guy that doesn't have a major. And the poor dude – like, if you have a thing on the tour, his thing now is to be the guy that congratulates one of his buddies that has won the big tournament off the 18th tee and gets on camera. That's not a great thing to be known for. 
Um, but I actually would like to see Ricky win a Masters, but I don't like his chances this week since he's not in the field. Would you agree? It'd be hard. be yeah. hard for Casper to win it. He didn't earn his tee time in the field. Um, who do I think is going to win it? I know this sounds like a, a – a, a, of course, because he shot seven under today and the next closest guy shot three under. So Justin Rose has a four-shot lead after one round. Uh, but I actually kind of liked his chances coming in. Obviously, like Spieth, he's not out of it. He shot one under today. The course played really hard. I like Xander Shoffley a little bit, and I like Tommy Fleetwood. One of the guys I was sneaky high on was Lee Westwood. With the, I know he's old with the way he's played golf the last couple weeks, uh, but he shot a 78, so that's not going to be great. Rory was in decent form, but, I mean, death taxes and Rory shooting himself out of the golf tournament at Augusta on Thursday. How many years is that going to happen? And the other guy I liked was Morikawa, who is one over with one hole left as of this recording. Okay. Like, I think, I think Rose will fall back. I think it'll become more of a tournament. That's who I liked in terms of uh, who I thought might have a good chance at it. Who would I like to see win? Probably the same group. Spieth would be a cool story. Spieth yeah, is just saying. the most dominating master of performances all time and one of the worst collapses in history. And him winning last week, that would be awesome. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do this. I would like Spieth to win it, and now in 30 seconds or less, tell me what the hell happened from the, the time Spieth won the Masters to today. He's – um, man, how much time do you have? That's a great question. So, you know, he doesn't – you know, he went – you know, he won last week in San Antonio. That was the first right. time Jordan Spieth won a golf tournament, a PGA Tour sanctioned golf tournament since the 2017 British Open. And what happened was, I think just happens with a lot of guys in golf, man. When it goes, it goes. And it's hard to find back. And it's unlike any other sport. You know, you're a baseball guy. And I, I would equate it to being similar to where, like, sometimes you just lose it in pitching. Where most of the time, though, when you lose it in pitching, you don't really get it back. But in golf, you know, your careers are longer. So you could lose it like he did for really kind of four years and regain it, and it becomes as much mental as it is anything else. The one actual anecdote I'll offer you is in this day and age to where these guys have these robotic swings to where they don't all swing the same, but it's all the same idea, and they all have swing coaches from the time they're 12 years old, and they all look like robots, and it looks like butter. You know what I'm talking about. All those sure. look the same. So not that Spieth hasn't had a coach. If you actually watch Spieth swing a golf club, it's kind of a homemade deal. He does not have your prototypical – Justin Rose, Adam Scott, they're robots. They talk like robots. They eat like robots. They swing a golf club like robots. Tailor-made swing that was built in Hank Haney, Kevin Pelton, one of these teachers' labs. It's kind of his own deal. And I think, you know, as much as I kind of like to see guys be creative and kind of do their own deal, when the pressure's on, there's nothing harder on earth than swinging a golf club when the pressure's on you because of the amount of movement it takes. I think having the whole robotic deal where it's just kind of cut and dried, this is my move, this is how I get through the golf ball, helps with consistency to where Spieth is a little bit looser with some of the things he does with his shoulders and his arms and particularly his knees a little bit. I think a guy like that, as good a golf as he played for pretty much his entire life until that point, it was a little more likely to see it go because quote unquote, it's not as mechanically sound, which is not the greatest way to describe it because there's plenty of ways to swing a golf club, but it was not the cookie cutter mechanics. And I think cookie cutter mechanics has been proven to withstand the test of time um, in terms of consistency. Does that make any sense? Sure. 
Sure. Sounds good to me. I just kind of enjoyed him winning the Masters when he did because, look, I, I, I joke like I don't keep up with golf like one single bit. I will uh, – maybe not. I may be at Swayze on Sunday. But if I was not at Swayze on Sunday and it was closed – like I watched when Tiger won. So, I mean, I keep up with it enough to – I'll know who won the Masters. And I did know when Jordan Spieth won it a few years ago or five years ago, I think it was. Like, I enjoyed watching him play and was would, like, have continued rooting for him if he didn't fall off a bridge after he won the Masters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he had offered one of the greatest collapses of all time, I guess, the next year. And then, you know, kind of, he wins the 17 British, and then uh, it kind of falls off after that. But you're just like every other casual golf fan. I mean, I, I get it. If you haven't grown up in, in golf and kind of played it or whatever, I can see how people think this is not compelling stuff to watch, even major championships on a Friday or Saturday. But like everyone else, the last two hours of a Sunday golf tournament in a major championship, if the leaderboard's packed, is incredible drama. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in if, if I'm in front of the TV on Sunday and, and turning that on. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I act like I don't keep up with it I, I knew enough that Patrick Reed was apparently an awful human being. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Speeds fell off, he's back. Bryson's a dork and Patrick Reed's a bad guy. That's all you need to know about golf. Sure. That, 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 that describes my rooting interests. All right, here we go. Let's, uh, let's see. Oh, here's, here's one more up, up your speed. How do you like Ole Miss's chances if they have a doubleheader on Saturday? Ooh, I, I, if I'm Ole Miss, I would rather them not. Because I, I know we joke like, hey, Broadway threw twice in, two day, or in the same day against Alabama. Yeah, but he can't throw two innings on Saturday morning and then two innings on Saturday night. Like, you could throw two innings on Friday, two innings on Saturday, and, and probably be okay. I think that limits the way you can use Broadway. So, I, I would like Ole Miss to be able to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's funny. We described him against Alabama. It's like, if they go doubleheader, you can't use him twice. But what happened? <laughs> used him twice. But I don't think you can use him twice uh, the way I would like for them to use him twice. Oh, yeah. No, your point is well stated. It's absolutely correct. I just thought that was funny to where we were talking about the weather with Alabama. And it's like, well, you can't use Broadway twice. We can't set up our pitching. We made this whole point, And Mike was like, watch me. <laughs> How does your arm feel? That was a that was a that was a very unique situation, just to put it mildly. I do think I, I, over the past five days, I, I have believed this. Had Broadway thrown about five more pitches in that first outing, he would not have pitched in the second one. And when they walked out for the bottom of the ninth, they didn't think they needed to pitch him. No, no, and and it was a three-run lead with nobody on and an extremely low-stress situation. Because let me tell you, Taylor Broadway, <laughs> he ain't stressing about Alabama down three with nobody on base. Dude's just out there throwing. Those, those, those pitches are pretty uh, low tax on the arm. Couldn't agree more. Let's see. What else do we have? We had someone correct me. Apparently, it's Sin Colin Bristol. Yes, Apparently, that's all this guy does. His name is the Thrash Panda. He follows one person. No, excuse me. He has one follower. He follows 43 people. And he corrects people on grammar. And his avatar is a raccoon. Man, I guess I, I, I guess I am an English teacher. I probably should have corrected you, but whatever. His location is the stars. Yeah, well, that, that's about right. Yeah, the the internet is, is is a wild place. I still don't fully understand it. No, I just I was implying that he was high. You missed the joke. That's a possibility. That is a possibility. But if if if, if he's correct in grammar, I can't imagine what he's like when he's coming down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, we got a couple more of these. Let's see. I can't make sure I'm missing one. Oh, uh, Silly Man Chili Man put us on blast, or me on blast. We ignored his mailbag question last week. I think that was just me having an oversight. I'm always good to skip one or two just because I skip one or two. Um, but he said we practically ride in the car home with them on the to and from work. So I appreciate that. Oh. Answer both of your questions because that. So have fun driving home from work wherever you are. <laughs> um, do you have his question? Yeah, here we go. Uh, put your seatbelt on. That was what that okay. wasn't the question. Uh, here we go. Um, last week's that I ignored. Uh, that was me and Greg. So you're absolved of all blame. But I'm the oh. one that the questions pulled up. What's the best prank you've ever pulled on someone? Um. Okay. So uh, I, we had. Uh, I can't. I can't get too far into detail because it involved some of my students. But we had uh, a teacher. So she got pranked pretty good over something I can't talk about. But we had a teacher uh, prank the kids that prank her and had her had them believing uh, she was pregnant for the past two months. And she they found out today that she wasn't. So that was kind of fun. I haven't been involved in too many pranks. I have not either. And I won't go into too much detail either. But I will say I did not have my classic senior prank that a lot of people do in high school. Because by the time we got to time to do that, I would tell you I was skating on pretty thin ice. Wait, you were close to being dismissed. Hold on. Close to being dismissed from JA thin ice or thin ice with the parents thin ice? Well, definitely thin ice with the parents. I don't think I was, like, close to being expelled from JA. But I was a senior prank gone wrong away, gone wrong away from 100% being the scapegoat and being totally uncertain of what that consequence entailed. I'd put it that way. So, so wait, I think that means you get to graduate, right? Because you, in this thought process, realize, I better not do that. <laughs> so I think that means you're good enough to graduate. Yes, and, and in all fairness, I won't take too much credit because I was not alone. There was a small group of us that I would say were on thin ice. And... <laughs> So we all, I would say, had a fourth of brain functioning as your, you know, well. So y'all put it together. So we put it all together and thought, hey, maybe we sit this one out. <laughs> the twenty-five percent credit goes to me. Did uh, did, did the did the senior prank happen? I don't know. I started to stay as far away from that as possible, as much as it killed me, because that is what. Right what was head. the senior prank? Do you remember what it was going to be? Um, no, I don't. So we never even got that far. We, oh, okay. we hatched a scouting, uh, a scouting session where we were going to go to the school at the wee hours of the morning and maybe scout out what might be the best way to I go. I think at that point, it probably is a bad idea. Yeah. And so I would say two of the other guys who were not on as thin of an ice or not, I would say as, yeah, they were not, uh, they were not church mice, but they were not in the same situation we were actually pulled off said scouting uh scouting session and got a call from the assistant principal and like he's a cool guy and he was basically like hey what are, what were y'all doing here at two in the morning and one of them was like oh i lost my phone and they're like <laughs> you lost your phone at school and came back to look for it at two in the morning with no flashlight and they were like yes and so i think <laughs> we didn't even have a senior prank i think that maybe had killed the whole operation I feel like like you got to know they got cameras, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I knew they had cameras. If I had gone, I would have promised you I'd found a way to uh, disguise myself from said camera. You would have been a mass fanatic early. 
Yes, I would have. I would have been way ahead of my time. I do have a good prank for you, and it actually coincides. This is actually wild how this, uh, how this uh, insane world works. Some, the, one of the guys I pulled a prank on sent me a mailbag question while we were recording this, uh, and I'm sure he will appreciate this. In college, we had two neighboring houses as sophomores. It was a bunch of dudes that knew each other. And uh, I don't know, after a couple of uh, Coors Lights on a, you know, uh, uh, a late night, I would go to the neighboring house into this one guy's room, and it was nothing malicious, but I would turn everything in his room one wall sideways. Yeah, I would break your nose. Oh, he did. He socked me in the stomach one time during a poker game as he walked yeah. in to work. And that was the yeah. end of that game. <laughs> I think you know what? To- you know what? I, I don't promote physical violence much, but, but I'm good there. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you are. I think he's listening right now whenever this drops. I hope he's laughing at work uh, because we are friends. So wait, you would turn everything in his room sideways? Just one wall. So whatever wall it was, it was a four. It was a pretty square box room that was going one wall over. Like, wait, even how do you screw with his bed? You move it one wall over. You screwed. You messed his whole bed up. I mean, I don't do things halfway. I can I can attest to that. Oh my god. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it was not a uh, well. I'd say it was not a malicious punch. It sent the message, but it was. You not- had to spend an hour doing this. It feels like. Pretty much, but it, it, most of the times I was doing that, I was living large. Time was no of no consequence to me. So this is like sophomore year of college, where the, the BAC is as high as it's ever been. Almost permanently. I hope my parents don't listen to this. But yeah, that it, it was. It was. You're talking second semester of your sophomore year of college. If that tells you anything, you need to know. But uh, I feel like that's everyone's worst semester. Yes, and it was not a malicious. Uh, it was not a malicious have it out afterwards. It was okay. Like, he knew I was kind of a shithead. Like, we were friends. Stop doing this to my room. Like, take your knuckle sandwich, and we'll never speak of this again. So, oh, God. That was, uh, that was my uh, prank. I hope that made up for the fact that we skipped his question. We've got one more from him this week. That He said he was going to keep it sports-related since we got, he got denied last week. Um, it is – let's see. What three rules would you add to make golf more extreme? Um, sure. More alligators and predatory animals on the course. Sure. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, I got one. I got one. You got to play it out of the water. Yeah, I like that. So you're actually allowed to play it out of the water, but I like it that you have to play it out of the water. So you have to go in and swim. Yeah, you got to find the ball. What's a third one? I don't know. That's, that, that, that's your deal. Uh, I don't think there should be any punishments for how mad you get. So if your guy's snapping clubs, I think any sort wait, of uh, – what? That you get punished for this? Well, like the tour will find them or whatever. And, like, if you go uh, to your local muni and start breaking stuff, like they're probably not going to do anything per se. They'd, they'd probably be like, hey, man, don't come back. Um, but I would like to – I would like that to be encouraged. Like I would like to see – some guy put it in the water today. I think he should be allowed to throw the flag stick like a javelin up to the patrons if he's really feeling it that much. Yeah, I'm in with that. Sounds I good. think you should be able to react happy Gilmore style. If you want to choke out your caddy and chunk him in the lake, fine. Fine by me. <laughs> Sounds good to me. 
But in all seriousness, I think they are kind of uh, not bending the rules or whatever, but I think guys are now more comfortable showing more emotion in golf to where I think when people, if you even watch golf a couple of times a year, you're aware it's not the stuffy stuff of the 70s to where these guys actually kind of show emotion and let it out. It comes out most in the Ryder Cup for whatever reason, but uh, uh, kind of the more tamed in version of that answer. I think it's just to let guys show more emotion, maybe shit talk each other a little bit. That would be kind of fun. But they're kind of trending in that direction. They become looser. I would equate it much like baseball. I mean, dudes in golf aren't bat flipping and stuff, but the the mainstream bat flip showing emotion in baseball uh, has become much more accepted, and I think it's become accepted in golf as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with emotion. I, I like emotion in sports, so I'm I'm good with that. Neither one of us have ever been like old man play play no. respect the game deal. I think that's very dumb. I think that's why baseball. Not why. I mean, I'm a baseball fan. I hate the whole like how to fix baseball radio segment and uh, the, the old way of playing the game's killing it. I don't think it's killing baseball. I just think it's very silly. I think if you hit a ball 400 feet, you should be able to celebrate whatever you want. And I think if you strike out one of the world's best hitters, you should be able to celebrate the way you want. No, I'm fine with that for sure. I think that was all the mailbag questions we had. So now let's get to the picks. And I, as I mentioned to you texting before we did this podcast, I'm just kind of a lazy sack of shit, and I forgot to write down our picks last week. And then I also forgot to total them up. So what I promised to do is put our total results in the newsletter tomorrow and then be more prepared next Friday with our up-to-date standings that we started week two because I didn't remember week one and be up to date there. I think that seems pretty fair. I don't think you could ask any more of me as a podcast host. <laughs> we, we've skipped week one, and then week three, we just forgot to total them up. No, no worries there. But we have them. They are there. We have week three. There I and forgot to do the math, and I didn't feel like pausing the podcast to do it. But, I mean, anyone who listens to this podcast, if your expectations to me are a 10, you know you should cut that in half to a well, five. And well, I came if, in at a solid four and a half there. I'd say that's pretty good. Well, if someone's listening to this podcast and they want to know the total, we'll just go total the thing up your damn self. That's a great point. If you were an ardent listener, you would actually be able to recite the our, our picks and the totals off the top of your head. And if you're not, you're just not paying close enough attention. So, actually, it's on you guys. Boy, how is that, the is, is that in the same category of why I have to pay to do this podcast? That's a great point. You pay me prime money to do content for this show. We're disrupting the industry over here at RippyWrites at Substack.com. Go sign up for the newsletter for meat deals. You get free meat, but you pay me. I think that's how that works. Yeah. Yeah, I need to go by there more. I'm taking the day off. I need to go by there. Is Greg starting to play lunches back? We started that back. He mentioned something about that actually the other day in all seriousness when I was talking to him, but I, I'm not sure. It's probably worth shooting him a text, but either way, go pick up your uh, free pack of spicy ribeye sausage. I think you count as a subscriber if you're a co-host. Yeah, surely. Yeah, just ask for four packs. Um but we do have picks to make this week, uh, all circus aside. We have – looks like we have one Thursday-Saturday uh, series, and that being Vanderbilt and Georgia, which has actually already gotten underway as we we're recording this. Yeah, how do we want to approach this? Do we want to just, like, not count tonight and then say how they do over the next two games? Because I think that might be fair. No, I would actually go the other way. I would say a three – so, what the – we got to inform the listeners on what just happened. We paused the podcast for a second. We went and looked up what that score was because I had forgotten it started tonight. And Georgia is up three to one. And my idea was to maybe predict the rapture because 
Kumar Rocker gave up three runs in the first inning. To Georgia. If, if we are still around tomorrow and the earth is still turning, um, we will have to make a prediction on that. So I would argue that 3-1 Georgia, particularly with Georgia's propensity to not score runs, is okay. pretty much just like 0-0. So I say we just pick it knowing the score. Who cares? Okay. No, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Uh, Vanderbilt wins two. Is that a loss tonight or elsewhere? Uh, I'm taking my odds that they are the lose tonight or Sunday. That's fair. I shouldn't pigeonhole you into an answer there. Vanderbilt wins two. Vanderbilt wins two. I just wrote that down in my handy-dandy notebook so I don't forget that this time. And I will go Vanderbilt wins two as well because this is already off to a weird start. We talked about Kumar Rocker being such a likable superstar in the SEC, but you know, kind of at the top of the show or whenever it was we were talking about it, it, it's gotten to the point where he and Leiter are so good and you see anyone put up any sort of crooked number or a one for that matter, and you're like, oh, what happened? The Bulldogs put up a three spot against Mr. Rocker tonight. They did. They did. Um, to be clear, the game started off with two people reaching and the guy hitting a tank. Um, and that's that helps. It. Yeah. Yeah. So the guy hit a three-run tank, third batter of the end, and they ain't done nothing else since. So we're both going – I'll go Vander, Vanderbilt 2 as well. You're going Vanderbilt 2. Now yes. to the series that have not gotten underway. Um, if only Vegas would allow what we just did. <laughs> oh, it was. That would be great news for us. Maybe not them. I could retire. I think I could retire too. I wouldn't have to pedal use cooking oil. Oh, <laughs> let's see. Oh, here's a – this is a spicy one to lead off. Florida goes to Knoxville. Number six, Tennessee, <laughs> if you care about rankings, against number 12, Florida. Tennessee wins too. I like Tennessee wins, too, uh, as well. And I would say, unlike Kentucky, you know, Tennessee has some of their flaws. They can hit, but they pitch the ball really well. And at a certain point, you have to respect what they've done, and you've got to Maybe. respect the fact that they're 25-5. and five. I think they're better than Florida. Yeah, at some point, they're, like, just good, right? <laughs> like, I think we just have to accept that. Like, people keep doing the, oh, they're Tennessee. I, don't, I think they're overrated. It's like, well, at what point are they going to suck? Because it ain't now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think – I mean, that's one of those teams where they probably don't sustain where they're at right now. And they're number six in the country. To, so to say they won't be a host seems kind of short-sighted. But if they struggle kind of in the heat of this schedule and are borderline and fall out of hosting, that would be the worst two-seed of all time. Oh, God. Oof, Can you imagine seeing them in your regional? Yeah, Chad Dallas on the free. Jesus Christ, no, absolutely not. And I feel like I'm discounting them just by saying that. No, I think there's – I think they're pretty pretty set in hosting. Yeah, I mean, hell, they're, they're three-quarters of the way there. They're 25-5. and five. I mean, there's <laughs> only so many games these bad boys play. I'm just saying if, 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 you know, the skeptics turn, I guess, correct and maybe they have a little bit of a free fall, I don't care how bad they're playing coming in. I would not want that team in my regional. But to your point, I think they host. Again, they're the number six team in the country, for crying out yeah. loud. I'm discounting them by saying that. Um, so you went Tennessee too? Yes. Okay. Here's the last question I have for you. Uh, do they, does Kevin O'Sullivan do what he did last week? Well, we might actually have an answer to that question. I tell you what you, you ask, you figure out the next series and I'll look up the answer to that question. Cause I figured their game notes are out by now. Right. That's a good point. It is a Thursday night. And if not, whoever that guy running operations at Florida is, is no out. Yeah. Get your stuff together. guy. Get it together, dude. Let's see. The latest thing I'm seeing news on their website is uh, some guy who's really pumped. Tennis. 
Here we go. No, they, got their game, they got their game notes up. So we have no Tommy Mace is starting on Friday night. They they list Tennessee as Ole Miss, but whatever. Uh, but Tommy Mace will start on Friday night. It appears. Uh, are you? I'm looking at two. Thursday Gators hit ro- the road for second straight top fifteen weekend matchup. Uh, no, I'm not questioning what you're. Uh, wait, hold on. Oh, I clicked the wrong one. They were TBA on Saturday. Yes, TBA on Saturday, Hunter Barco on Sunday. Oh, see, now I'm really getting confused. Look at who they have as the team name slotted under the yes, game. That's what I was saying. Or oh, they have Ole Miss listed instead of Tennessee. Yeah, so that guy is no Alex Sims. What do you make of that? Tommy Mace is going on Friday, so he's starting. So, to hell with that. He told, he, I can tell you what I make of it. He told someone – or not Sullivan. Oh, Sullivan to go blank himself. He's starting on Friday night after he just shoved it up Ole Miss's tail last Friday night. That's what happened. I'm talking about more with the whole – like, I know Leftwich was really bad last weekend, but before that you could argue he had kind of been a little more consistent than Mace yeah. in some aspects. But he's, he's, he's the only – He's the only one not in the rotation. They have TBA on Saturday. You don't see that a lot. You no, you Friday, don't. Friday, Friday slotted, Saturday TBA, and Sunday slotted. That's bizarre. Yeah, it's just I'm sure what the situation is. They're going to see what they have to do on Friday night for the baseball game and then see what's available on Saturday. If they don't have to use both Christian Scott and Franco Alamon, I presume one of them will start at that point. So you think he's kind of out on Leftwich right now? Which no, I, I think I think there's a situation where he starts those guys and Leftwich comes in and piggybacks them. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard to not be when you see last weekend, right? Where Christian Scott goes five innings and pitches into the sixth, and then they bring Leftwich in. It's like, yeah, what that felt different than what they did with Mace for me. You no, know, I agree, and I, I, I think you, you were kind of out early on this. I think I asked you – I don't remember if it was before or after. It was after the series. It was our Sunday podcast when I read you that quote, and all I was trying to get you to say was that sounds like cranky number five. Uh, <laughs> and he was, like, saying he wasn't reading further into it. But you said that sounds like a guy that doesn't like his team. And I can't no, – no. like, I mean, how, how much more can that be proven true with this fight? Now, look, Florida's the 12th-ranked team in the country. They look like a pretty good baseball team last week. And this guy is just still furiously screwing with his rotation with two of the dudes he's screwing with. Granted, yeah, okay, Leftwood sucked last weekend. They're talented dudes. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is he does not like this team. And it's kind no, of he lost. hates this team. He hates this team. And, and I, kind of, I would be upset, too, if they were this talented and played this poorly. But, like, isn't that kind of your fault? Yeah, no kidding. But, like, this would be no, – how much different is this than uh, – I know Etheridge is – I just I did a radio hit for Arkansas radio station that will go out tomorrow. So, it was recorded, and we were talking about the 19 Super, where Doug was obviously the best pitcher on the team, but Etheridge was just the Friday guy just because. Doug's a freshman, right? But, like, how yeah. much different is this? Just say Doug wasn't a freshman or whatever, and maybe he went on Friday. And Etheridge, with the talent level that he has, has, like, one bad start. Ole Miss is number 12 in the country, and Mike just starts going TBA on Saturday. Would that not be weird? I think Etheridge might fight Mike. That's what I'm saying. That would be bizarre. Like, if I was Leftwich, I'd be like, screw you, dude. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. He had one bad start in South Carolina, and you yanked him out. It's, yeah, I, I O'Sullivan's a hothead. Whatever. He does. He was wearing a schmedium in the dugout. I didn't realize he works out. He wears batting gloves. What a dork. Yeah, what was the deal with that? What does that do? Oh, he does that all the time. He's just a dork. Okay. If we ever, you know, I made fun of Mike last weekend on the internet because 
if you could possibly look like more of a narc calling in the pitches, there's a lot of cool <laughs> ways to use a walkie-talkie. Mike Bianco's way of using it. He, like, kind of holds it sideways. He holds it sideways. He very clearly, like, barely knows how it works. He smashes the button he's supposed to smash, types in the pitch, and then sets it back down on top of the dugout in the most robotic way possible every time. Like, there's cool ways to use a walkie-talkie, and Mike's got to get some lessons. Maybe you could, uh, on your Zoom uh, call that you hop on with him, maybe you could ask him about that. Yeah, I asked you about buy him a new one. Like, can I get you a different color? What is what is the problem here? I th- Anyway, that's something I noticed. But, yeah, O'Sullivan, uh, interesting guy. I, I mean, I guess you can't knock it. Guy's got a natty, but Jesus. Um, here's a disgusting series. Kentucky, after getting swept in Starkville last weekend, probably everyone confirming that, okay, Kentucky's maybe not terrible, but they were definitely not as good as that 5-1 and one SEC record. Um, they're 19-7. and seven. They are hosting LSU. Ew. I'm going to say Kentucky wins, too. I, I think LSU's done. I think they are, too. And you got to mention, for those of you maybe that did not see it, their ace, Jaden Hill, is out for the year. It sounds like he needs Tommy John. I love how they always say UCL injury as if that ends up in any other way. How are you <laughs> out for the year with UCL injury, but it doesn't require Tommy John? Maybe they said that later, but that was the initial report I saw. Yeah, rough sledding for LSU. Could they go 6-24? and 24? Yeah, they could quit. Absolutely. That would be just kind of a uh, – that would kind of be bizarro world. Um, in I, I have a theory as to what Paul Maneri should do. I have, uh-huh. a, I, have, I have a theory. Okay. So, we can agree that LSU's athletic department right now, between Ed Orgeron being an awful person and covering up the sexual harassment of a 70-year-old woman, allegedly, and Will Wade doing whatever the hell he's doing is in pretty much shambles, right? Yes. Like we can agree. I don't mean to derail your point. Uh, I know where what? you're going with this. I don't mean to derail your point, but just a quick aside. Uh, Will Wade outlasted Sean Miller. So, anyway, sure, sure, sure. do what you want but with that. If, if I am – what's their AD's name? Scott Woodward or something? Yes, who, in fairness, was not there when all of sure. this started. you sure, got to remember he transitioned away from Joe. Right. Who's all, by but, all accounts, seems like he mailed it in the last half decade. But he's there now, so he has to deal with it. That's correct, right? Like, he has to make decisions on firing at Orgeron or Will Wade. Like, that's his job, right? You're correct. Okay. So if I am pulmonary and that man walks into my office and says, I am going to fire you, I'm just going to tell him that he's not. It's just incorrect. I'm not going anywhere. Thank you. Have a nice day. Because I am not looking across the athletic department at a man who said on a wiretap that he's giving a kid a strong ass offer and a kid and a man that allegedly helped cover up the sexual harassment of a seven year old woman and saying, No, I am not going to be the one fired here. That's a load of crap. I would just refuse to leave. I would not move out of my office. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I could not agree more. Like when he says like, hey, man, like we got to make a change. It's like, no, actually, you're not going to. And then if he really wants to get petty about it, I would go to the Baton Rouge Police Department and pull up whatever version there is of a rap sheet and have them paste Mike Paul Maneri's name on it. And then it'd be blank. And then go pull up something that has all of that Will Wade's sins and then go pull up something I mean, hell, you need three or four pages for the LSU football. You need a, a book. And then I would hand it to him and be like, actually, no, you're not. And so I'm going to go start recruiting. I'm going to try to get better. Shut up. But it, in all seriousness, I mean, it, that is – look, it, I, and we have plenty of time to talk about this. It'll, it'll, it'll really come and become a storyline in May. But even if LSU bombs, how in the world do you fire the one guy, whatever you think of him as – That runs a clean program. Seems like a nice person. 
or a good person, I should say. You, you want me to be honest? I don't think they fire him. I don't, I don't think, think they, they do either, him. and they're going to hate that. No, I think he can go 8-22, and, and they're going to have to keep him because your other programs are such, such poorly run. And that LSU baseball fan base wants to kill that guy if he doesn't win 18 games in the league. Like, can you imagine how they're going to react to that? Yeah, yeah. They, they may burn his house down, but he may still be the coach. And good for Maneri if he survives it. I think he deserves it. I know they've had bad luck. I know he hasn't probably done as great of a job. They just haven't had this. See, I, I, I kind of disagree then that he deserves it. And the fact, like, you shouldn't be this bad at LSU baseball. But when I look across the other at the other athletic departments, like, yeah, if those guys don't get fired for that, like, he does get to – he deserves to get to stay because of that. But, like, when I just look at it from a complete baseball perspective, like, please explain to me how you're this bad at LSU. It makes no sense. No, I, so I agree with that. And, like, I guess if there's anywhere where you where, – where you have all the advantages outside of Vanderbilt where you shouldn't yeah. have a year like this, it's LSU. So I will concede that to you, but it's also, and we've talked about this before. It also hasn't been a free fall with Maneri. He played, I know he only has the one title in 08, but he played for Natty in 2017 and that Florida team was just kind of sick, but they've been really competitive ever since, right? Like they, they've been in the mix and that's not good enough to get it done at LSU but this is the first kind of year where it's like, holy hell, is there actually a dip happening here? I think he benefited from the fact that the season got uh, postponed last year or canceled, whatever you want to call it, because I think some version of this, it wasn't going to be as bad as I think it is going to be this year. There was going to be a dip last year, which would have probably sealed his fate in 2021 had the season that got canceled. I don't think LSU was quote unquote figuring it out in 2020. I don't think they were very good. No, and they're not very good this year. And, I mean, they can buy them another year, but with the way baseball recruiting works, like, you're not – like, you – it's not like football where you can go fix a program in a year or two. No, like, you've committed dudes since ninth grade uh, in this sport. So, if you're not talented this year, it's not like you're just going to go load up and be extremely talented next year. No, it's not. But isn't it kind of an argument like that that works the other way, too, to where it's like – Okay, it's not like he has no job security and kids aren't going to come. They've been committed since 10th. Sure. Isn't it pretty much just one more roll at the dice that he actually hits on these kids as opposed to yeah. continuously will? Yeah, but, I mean, you know, you're rolling a dice on, on a bunch of freshmen and JUCOs, and you better hope it hits. Oh, for sure. I don't – don't get me wrong. I don't love his odds, even if he gets another year. But, like, it's kind of like – it's interesting, that, that dynamic, because, like you mentioned, it's like – it's not like basketball or football where he fixed it in a year – and it's also not like basketball and football to where if you have a crappy recruiting class immediately where it's going to affect you – not affect you immediately. I said you can't that. have four in a row. Right. You can't have four in a row. But it's also like these kids have been committed for two years, so they're not going to be scared off by a lack of job security because his job sure. was not insecure two years ago when these kids committed. Sure. Sure. I agree with that. Still crazy it's the year 2021 and college baseball has a gentleman's agreement not to recruit committed kids. That's so bizarre to that's, me. That's that's – going by the wayside more and more slowly slowly yeah. auburn maybe the greatest 12 and 13 team of all time host mississippi state are you going to get bold like i am uh, let me think of the matchups screw it yeah auburn wins too i agree and i'm not just saying that because it's mississippi state i just auburn's due for a break aren't they and they pitch the ball fine like you mentioned for in a lot of ways you could make an argument a couple breaks a couple pitches a couple bounces you know he's could have would have should have i get that but they could have won the series and or swept arkansas last week 
they're one and eight. They're certainly not that bad. And they're facing a Mississippi State team that struggles to hit the baseball. That seems like the perfect storm for an upset. Again, I could be wrong. State is the better team. I'll concede that. But that seems like a disastrous matchup for the Bulldogs. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy in Cody Greenhill that's uh, that's a stud. I mean, he shut down Ole Miss and Arkansas. Um, he'll shut down Mississippi State. I mean, I, I I shouldn't say that in absolute, but like when you talk about the offenses, Ole Miss and, and Arkansas are clearly better than Mississippi State. I would think he probably shuts down Mississippi State's and Auburn. Um, and then Jack Owen was really good against Arkansas last Friday night. So. I think they can pitch it enough. I think Auburn's a good enough baseball team. I know I kind of look like a homer when, you know, I picked Mississippi State to lose two last weekend and they swept. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I, I think Butch Thompson is going to get this Auburn team turned around, and I think that starts this weekend. They're not that bad. Ole Miss played really well against them. And then well, who did they have second weekend? I can't remember. Uh, um, uh, Kentucky. That's the weekend that kicked them. They got swept at home by Kentucky. I don't have anything for you there. That sucks. Like, you shouldn't do that. But, but yeah. in saying that, like, they're not the same. T- they got extremely healthy the week they went to Arkansas. They were two, returned two starters and got Jack Owen in the rotation and Richard Fitz in the bullpen, something they didn't have against Kentucky. And on Friday night against Kentucky, Cody Greenhill pitches five innings, gives up one run, rain comes, and he has to come out of the game. And then their bullpen, which isn't good, blows it. It's a good point. And you know what's interesting is, like, I don't think they're capable of doing this, but you mentioned how healthy they're getting. Like, they're one and eight. And, look, taking two or three a state really just kind of keeps you afloat at this point because it's nine games, but it's also nine games at the same time. You know what would really kind of get them back in the mix? What? Is being four and eight after this weekend. Ooh. I don't think they're – tell, tell you what. Tell you and what. I, Auburn, Auburn sweeps Mississippi State this weekend. I will become an Auburn baseball booster. Ah, uh, that's about to say get a tattoo or something cool. Um, but no. that's, that's fair. You could send Butch Thompson a check. I don't think that's happening. I'm just saying, if Auburn plays well and takes that first two games, that's a crucial game for their season in that third game. Big one. I will join the Auburn Bullpen Club. Missouri, South Carolina. Do we have to spend a ton of time on this? Oh, I'll make the case. South Carolina, three. I yeah, tell you what, I'll tell you what until, further, until further notice, anytime Missouri's involved in a series, just put uh, the other team three. Yeah, I know. And I feel like this is worse content because we keep agreeing on everything. But I was actually about to make that same ultimatum. I'm glad we're thinking on the same. They won a series last weekend. (laughs) Wait, who? They beat A&M twice. Okay, that changes my next pick. I missed that. (laughs) Yeah, they beat A&M twice. I saw that Sunday game and just assumed that was part of a – that was just like, okay, these, these scrubs salvaged something. No, no, they they won on Friday and Saturday. Rob Childress, if I was Ross Bjork, would have been fired at the ballpark. Hey, whatever, screw it. Tucker won a two. I'll give Missouri a game. That changed my pick. No, I won't. I don't no. actually believe that, but I'll just do it for the sake because we keep agreeing. But uh, in a, on a like a slightly more serious note, you know, South Carolina has you know they they won those national titles. They really dipped down, and they seem to kind of be on on the up and up. This feels like sure. a statement series where you kind of – you take three, you pad it. You're probably not as good as your record is after the weekend. But in terms of reinvestment and kind of declaring that you're back with their local news uh, kind of segment or whatever, this feels like a prime weekend to kind of declare yeah. mid-April South Carolina baseball is back, whether it actually is or not. Any yeah, I mean, you, you, you roll off a nine and three in the SEC, that's, that's impressive. I don't really care who you play, especially when you consider they played Vanderbilt and Florida. Yeah, they pretty much – I mean, the toughest is out of the way. That's a good point. 
I mean, well, you got Tennessee left. You got, uh, no, you got Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss if you're them. But yeah, I mean, it's it's still. I mean, you offer uh, Kingston four and two against Vanderbilt, Florida. That dude would have jumped at it. Boy, they uh, they got jobbed on their West draw. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't know. You know, Ole Miss has had a couple years of. Oh, they have Arkansas too. I forgot that. Their three West teams are Arkansas State. The three West teams, South Carolina, Drew. They have four. I, I don't know who the fourth one is, but I know they play Arkansas State and Ole Miss. Yeah. That sucks. They better make their hay now. They better win three. But uh, <laughs> here's a kind of an interesting series for much of a different reason. Um, Alabama, excuse me, A&M hosts Alabama. Thoughts? Alabama, Alabama three. Whoa. Alabama three. If they play four, I'd say Alabama four. Why? Because did did you miss the part where I said A and M lost the series to Missouri? How does that happen? I know they can't hit, and granted, that's a complete oversight by me. I usually on Sunday nights sit down. If I hadn't caught, you know, if I try to catch as many se. Now that I don't do this for a living, you know, you guys might have had it figured out. Not sitting at Swayze Field and uh, having to work after the game and then just wanting to do anything else but be at a baseball park after is not the way to go. The way to go is to drink beer and enjoy yourself and then watch as many baseball series as possible. <laughs> I, so I, I try to watch as many games as I can throughout the course of a weekend. Now, I'm really enjoying this, uh, this, uh, this non-beat uh, writer life, I would say, to, to put it mildly. And so whenever I, I sit down on Sundays, and if I haven't caught even a piece of some SEC series, I try to go kind of see what happened as best you can from a box score. I'll be honest, I just kind of operated under the, operated under the assumption uh, pretty much similar to that bylaw we just laid down. I just assumed, okay, Missouri wins the finale. Great, they salvaged the game. How does that happen? I'll, I'll leave that up to you. I don't know. I didn't watch the pitch, but uh, I just know that I saw uh, – well, I can tell you this. I didn't know it was happening on Friday night until a friend of mine who had bet on Texas A&M um, was not happy and was texting me. Um, and then I saw they were getting smoked, and then they got smoked on Saturday, if I remember right. So, uh, I don't know, but Rob Childress is going to probably get fired for that. And he probably should be. Good God, how do you lose to this, this Missouri team twice? Good God. That seems almost impossible. I mean, I, everyone jokes every year about the worst team in the SEC and like, oh, that team's going, uh, you know, 4-26 and 26 or whatever. There's there. a couple of team you could put in Sharpie that was a prime candidate for that. It's this Missouri bunch. That, uh, look, that, that is embarrassing. Look, let me tell you, uh, they take 12 teams to Hoover. So that means you only got a 2-14 and 14 shot to guess the team that uh, ain't going to go. I am so – like, I have never been more confident in the fact that Missouri is going to miss the tournament. And I only got a 2-14 and 14 shot to get that right. <laughs> that team is going nowhere near the tournament. Somehow A&M figured out a way to lose the series to them. Speaking of uh, the fourth West team that South Carolina drew is a road series at LSU, which on paper, if you had looked at that in what, December or whenever this oh comes out, you've been like, can we catch a break? Like, what the hell is this? I think they deserve LSU sucking, right? Like, with the way the rest of that played out, come on, man. <laughs> but, well, the schedules look a lot different now, right? Because if you're Ole Miss, and I know you, I know you lose the series to Florida, but – Florida didn't look as daunting as it did four weeks ago, or even but you know before the season when you because you were worried about Ole Miss's SEC East schedule. And it's like, well, Florida doesn't look as daunting. I get it; they lost the series, but it wasn't the number one team in the country, Florida. Uh, so it's funny how like the perception of schedules change as the season goes on. 
Oh, for sure. But I would argue as, as better, like you can tell better than any sport, like whether you got jobs preseason or not. But, you know, the NFL schedule comes out. It's like which team got the easiest, which team got the hardest. Who got the Jets. How you finish. Exactly. I think you can tell a little better at the SEC. Last South Carolina note before we actually move on to this series. How in the world – they got a chance to be 9-3 and three in the SEC, but they got swept at Texas. Yeah. And neither Texas, one of those games were particularly close. Texas is good. And I would not have thought that when they left Dallas, but Texas is really good. Um, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I left – when they left Dallas, I was like, yeah, they're a regional team. Well, but- you remember, like, Texas and Texas Tech both left 0-3. But, like, Texas Tech, like, played three close games. It's like, yeah, they're going to be all right. And Texas left and was like, that team's a college baseball team? Yeah, exactly. It was like, that team is supposed to be Texas, right? It's like, that is that a regional team? Um, <laughs> and now they're a national seed. And that's – to, to, to be fair to them, too, that South Carolina sweep is is a huge – Oh, it's massive, yeah. Meaning on their resume. But, anyway, penultimate – or last series we have for the weekend because we already picked the other one. We both picked Ole Miss, too, right? I just had that written down. Yes, uh, I'm going Ole Miss, too. All right, so you had Alabama three. I won't go that bold. I'll go Alabama, too. I thought I was kind of being sneaky, being like, okay, A&M, not, I don't like the spot they're in, but you win Alabama, three. I'll go Alabama, two. Interesting series that we had this weekend. I feel like we say that every weekend, but, like, uh, sign me up for Florida, Tennessee. Sign me up for Mississippi State, Auburn. Uh, Missouri, South Carolina, you could tell me anything happened in that series, and I would believe you because I didn't. You couldn't tell me that. You tell me Missouri wins that series, and I would not believe you. That's a bad way to describe it. And from an individualistic standpoint, you could tell me an asteroid hit the field, and I'd be like, okay, fine. That's, okay. That, that, that's kind of what I was getting at there. Not really interested in LSU, Kentucky, Alabama A&M, okay, whatever. And then if Georgia – I mean, if you win – if Georgia ends up holding on to this as of this recording, I, 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 could be, I could be talked into that. So, decent slate. Let's make sure that uh, they're still winning. That's a good point. Yep. Three to one in the top of the six. Georgia better keep pitching it. Yeah, they, uh, I think that let – me, let, me, let me tell you something now. Uh, Georgia wins tomorrow night. I, I, I'm going to church on Sunday. I mean, I went last Sunday and I'm going to go again. Yeah, because it's probably – that's it for us. Like, they're probably – when you talk about these predetermined regional hosts, we're probably just getting struck by something. If that happens. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, if Tim Elko hadn't had a torn ACL, I was going to go to church for about two years because I had made some deals. Yeah, uh, if, if it was a uh, strained kneecap, you'd have probably had to have been – you probably would have turned into a monk. I'd, I'd have been taking the offering. So that's a – I guess that'll do it today. We've been rolling at this for – every time I do this, I was like, I do. We got an hour, and then it goes hour 45. Right. Solid content, as always. I, uh, I appreciate it. This is another edition of the Mailbag Friday, the People's Holiday. We'll be back at it on Sunday. Always check your availability in live action. Yeah, Sunday should be fine, depending on the, uh, depending on how how late Ole Miss's game goes. I don't know what time they play, but yeah, Sunday should be fine. I think that thing's like one. I know, well, yeah, Sunday podcast. Are you? Uh, we'll be. Uh, we'll react to all things Ole Miss, Arkansas, to uh, and then kind of everything else around the SEC. I'll remind you one more time. Go check out LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Subscriber specials in the newsletter. Go subscribe at RippyWrites at Substack dot com. You you can go to LB's this weekend and get a Three pound of a pack of spicy ribeye sausage and a 16 ounce prime uh, cut steak uh, for 10 bucks. I don't really know what there is a better thing to do 
uh, if you're going to Swayze and buy a grill in left field than that. You, you hand him a 10 spot. You're the most popular guy out there with some sausage, and you've got a steak to grill for yourself. Not sure I can top that. Check out Skybox Sports Picks. They had a absolutely fire Thursday at the Masters. They went 30 units day one on the Masters. I don't even know what that means. Rob just texted me that. I'm going to have to get some clarification. I'm sure I'll add that in at the top. Wait, what's it say? 30 U after day one. I think that means, that means they 30. won 30 units. So if you're betting $100, they made 3000 That seems like a decent day. That's a pretty good day. Yeah, so check them out, Skybox Sports Picks. You will have likely already heard this at the top of the podcast because a little inside baseball spoiler, I recorded the opening after we did the podcast. <laughs> but you can hear it again. No. All the more reason to go check those guys out. Would you like to make 3000 bucks in a day? I would like to make 3000 bucks in a week. I'd like to make it in a day, though. And if you use Skybox Sports Picks and use the promo code RIPPY, you get the face to face and it's 20% off. So check those guys out. I appreciate it, as always, dude. We'll be back at it uh, at the end of the weekend. I'm sure recapping the action. Uh, and we will check you out on Monday. Appreciate it, dude. Sounds good. Everybody have a safe and happy weekend. Um, celebrate the people's holiday accordingly. Unless you're that guy that told us he's driving, don't crack a cold one, open up the seatbelt. But uh, everybody have a great weekend.